Welcome to Tesla Sand episode 244, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the prophets, Carl Riley. I don't even like Supermax. The clean. The clean. <laughs> are we going to get it out of the way now? No, we're not, because we're going to have a row. We're so. going to have a row. So we're are we going to save it for later on? We're not going to do it there. Um, Before we do move on, Gary. The cleanest layer in the yes, land. There's one thing we should address, and that is you sat in that chair. And I said to you, this floor will be clear between one and six weeks. And it is now clear. You doubted me. Well, doubt me now. The, um, I think the time frame might be a little bit <laughs> skewed there. But yeah, as you come in to the lair, I walked in and I was like, there's, I can see the floor. Like, there's floorboards here. I always wondered what we were actually on. <laughs> I was thinking, are there floorboards as a carpet? Do you know what it's starting to remind me of? You know the cube where you have all these challenges? And one is like, you have to step over two poles. And you're almost like very, <laughs> you're like you're very robotic, where you like you stop and you're blindfolded. Possibly name a different and, game. And there's a big lift of the the leg. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was like getting to the alcohol. Like you're in the stretching bar. your groin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe a different game considering the host and the circumstances surrounding yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Might think Crystal Maze, although maybe there was something dodgy there as well. <laughs> but no, I'm getting up. I'm walking away from the chair. The cube. So you have the top. Book. The top one is huge. It's got the big books, the big wide ones, big dimensions. And then you've got you've got rovers, you've got at loan, you've got pats. It's all done by club. All very very neat. It's very very like aesthetically. It's very pleasing. I know. You know what I mean. I've been admiring it all week. To be honest. I do like an old tilt of the head and a look at an old bookcase. You know, I find myself just drifting into it here. Yeah, it's a it's the wall of stats for the prof. I must say I've been chuffed myself all week just looking in here. And that's why he was late in Fairmoy because he was fixing the bookshelf. <laughs> we said we weren't going to go there, Gary. So. <laughs> so we have a bizarre game, a football talk about prof. Um, last batch of quifties qualifiers with Rory Gaffney, Johnny Kenny, and Liam Bort, and the competitiveness of certain players is going to. It's it's very evident here, and uh, draw for the last sixteen straight after with the help of defending champion Pico. So Quizmaster Pico doing the biz. Independent judicator, Rory called him. Yeah, is that what he called him? <laughs> I didn't hear that. Bit. Um, ahead of our games at Dundalk and Sligo on the banger, and we've an interview with Sligo goalie Richie Brush. Two spells with us and played at Way Hart Lane. One of the more enjoyable uh, interviews, prop ever, possibly. Yes, I absolutely love this. This one. fella is great crack. He's a cool bloke. Um, the Deadpool prof this year the Deadpool who did I have um, I don't think either of us would have had Tina Turner Gascoigne I had Gascoigne we've had Rolf, Har- Rolf Harris Tina Turner so things happen in trees but I'll say Gascoigne we're not actually running a Deadpool by we the shouldn't way, actually predict people no, dying no, we're probably not, a bad luck not actually doing it but you, do, you wonder who will be next yeah uh, feedback to last week Al Kill Connor Flock. Have you ever looked at his page? It's actually interesting. He, it's, it's very farmery. Yeah, it's um, he's got he's like he's a farmer and he's lambing. It was lambing season recently, so his his tweets were a lot more frequent because of all mm. the little lambs. But um, yeah, it's interesting anyway that we have an old farmer listening to us. So um, at East End Pod, when this game is finished, will you send the ref section with this week's pod specifically interview with Pat Kelly and not refing with cards? Because remember he said so. This, this is your te- so he, what he's pretty much saying that it's your fault. Well, do you remember he said that early on in his career he used to ref with cards. Yeah, and then he, he stopped doing that. By the way, we're doing this podcast six years now. Our first referee on the show in six years, and then in the same week that airs, 
Rovers get three players sent off in one game for the first time in 101 years of league football. You should probably just under jack, jack it in, man. <laughs> because people are asking me on the bus, has this ever happened before? And that's not something I would know. Yeah, I think at one stage, when we were all getting on, we were just like, brav, brav, <laughs> stats. But in one sense, I would know because it's so extraordinary. I would have read about it. Yeah. And that's what Jim Conroy said to me. He says, he said, like, Carrie, we would know about that. And... And one thing did pop into my head, and I was saying to, said to a couple of people, I remember reading that Dundalk got three players sent off against us in the 80s, and we only drew one all. One all? Yeah. But I, I like, obviously, so, there was a few light ales had, and um, when the third one came along, I it was so close to the sideline, I was like, oh, bollocks. Fucking Bradzer's gone there. And I'm watching, <laughs> about five minutes later, I'm like, Bradzer's brave, isn't he? Brads are still on the touchline. <laughs> and I was counting. I was like, oh my God, we've down to eight. <laughs> I was like, you for real? Oh, I was just in shock. Absolute shock. And then I quickly turned to anger. But speaking of Jim Conroy, he reacted to uh, last week. He said, well, he's more interested in the song than the show. He said, what an ending to number 243. Going to my hometown brought back some great memories of brilliant Rory Gallagher at places like the stadium oh, and McCroom when he was a young fella. Loved Rory yeah. growing up. Actually, a friend of my dad's got me into him. My dad used to do the doors for years and big Ivor. Ivor Hemingway. Actually, he is related to Ernest, believe it or not. Is that I, something he just tells you? or No, we actually, as we became friends, tr- tr- you, as I grew up, he, sh- the he, he, he was checking the bloodline and it's somewhere down the line he's, he's related. Jim also reminded us of uh, the Rovers Three Castles crest how it originated in 1959 European Cup tie with Nice remember he, had a, remember he had a voice now about that before yeah yeah plus as, as we know Shells and Bows have them on their crest so it's not purely a, G- a GA thing if that's been putting you off buying the Ultra shirt uh, Jim was also quite amused by something that happened in 2004 when the Dublin County Board created their their own new crest for Dublin mm. and had a raven on top Raven. Quote the Raven nevermore. Yeah. But uh you just he was having a good laugh at that, so he doesn't he never takes that crest seriously. Um he said completely quiet on Pat Kelly before and after, which I thought spoke volumes. I don't think Jim is a fan of Pat Kelly. <laughs> and I tell you who is definitely not a fan. That is Jason Maloney. He was like, You should have told me that you were having him on because he called him a little bollocks of a ref. <laughs> Who uh, who'd send off players for not standing 10 yards in the wall. Ah, well, that's reffing with your cards there, isn't it? That's totally yeah. reffing with your cards, yeah. I did send him, um, I texted him after, I think the following morning. And he said he was in Kerry and he hasn't seen the instance. So I was like, fuck, I'm just send him all the YouTube clips. Didn't didn't get back to oh, I'd then, love to hear his thoughts on it, actually. I'd love to hear his thoughts. That's the thing, is he, is he an assessor now? Or he's, he's, he an, he's an observer. Obs- What's the difference? What's the, that's what he said what's the difference between observer and assessor he still works in the League of Ireland I think so he may gets paid to watch football he may be limited to what he can yeah, say to me yeah absolutely um, um, but Maloney said he wrote a, net, a letter to Irish Soccer Magazine back in the 80s having a go at Pat Kelly so we're going to have to try and dig that up somewhere um, yeah so Prof yeah just back to the Rory Gallagher thing as well we were just talking about it off air but he's, he grew up in Cork but he's from Bally Buffet Um. And there's no there's no real connection. Like you could not get further away. I was actually looking at Finn Harps are playing Kerry this week. I was looking at the trip, I was like, that's you couldn't get further away. It's like who's he running away from? 
Um, so Jeff Dolprof, great interview with Pat Kelly, lads. I think it was him who ref the Rovers versus the Pats game in Harold's Cross, late 80s. Rovers were on a long unbeaten run, 17 to 18 games, very rare at the time. And Kelly gave a couple of horrendous decisions against us, blatant offside if I remember correctly. Brutal ref, let's just say Alan didn't lick it off the ground. Mm-hmm. Donald Fallon has tried the green ribbon in the four probes, although he uh, four probes, although him and uh, Mero don't know the name of it. Lovely Very po- did. not surprised by Mero at all, actually. Will we head down for a lovely pint of white horse? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, boys, they War- just kept <laughs> work is done, sun is shining, pint of white horse. <laughs> They just kept talking about it so much. I was like, oh, it's fantastic. It's based off the White Horse and the history. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. What's the name? The, and it just went on. I was like, they, they're not going to say the name of the, of the beer. It's all, it's all there for a reason. Green <laughs> Ribbon ties into the whole White Horse thing. But a pint of White Horse. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, um, AI section. Prof. Yeah, um, everybody's favourite section of the show now. AI taking over. We're all going to be... Um, at the, the beck and call of the bots, eventually. Well, Deco, a few things to say here. Deco sent me a clip from Instagram saying that AI can now edit podcasts. So there was just a little thing. It was like a quick video. Maybe it was lifted from TikTok. And it was showing the AI doing the work. Like, it was taking blocks of audio. Yeah, Just yeah, automatically. Yeah. It showing it, edited. Like it and the lads are just sitting there, watching it, smiling. Like, this is deadly. But... How that would work for us, for our style, I don't know. How would the AI know that I want don't want this to air? You would have to set parameters and things mm. for it to identify to be able to take that out, which wouldn't be much, really. It would have to study you for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to see what you normally do. Bots aren't studying me, prof. <laughs> no chance. Well, I've been using it lately. Um, I've used it the last couple of times because I do, I do team use for the website. So I do with 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 uh, Brazzer and do a Cody O'Neill. Uh, I ring them up, record it, transcribe it, and the odd time, uh, Bill Gleason has helped me out if I'm busy. And this season, I've noticed he says, "All right, I'll throw it into the the bot or the AI." So I got curious then, he, and he he's been coming back with it very fast. Bill Gleason throws it into a bot every yeah, so often. Yeah, so he's been coming back with it very fast. So I thought, uh, "Well, I give this a try." He warned me it may not work on loud, <laughs> the loud accent, and uh, so approved there because Cody. According to the AI results, came out with some mad stuff. For example, he said, we're trying to get the smoke. Oh, I love it. AI Cody wants to smoke. He said, Vera, or what he actually said was Vera is going to announce a squad. This became, fear is going to enhance for a squad. I'm telling you, these are subtle messages from the box. <laughs> I know. Subtle little messages to, to tell us we're coming. And Gemma McGuinness became General McGuinness. General McGuinness? I'm telling you, they're militarising us as well now. Yeah, I don't know. That's what they're going to call their bot leader, General McGuinness. It was funny, all three had a similar team, yeah. And then there was Noel Sinnott in the programme, because I did, I did Snapchat with him. And he said, he's proud to be captain of a club as famous as Sherman Crocker. Sherman, Sherman Crocker! Yeah. Why do I say that with an Australian <laughs> accent? Why do I want to say that? But he still has the London accent. He hasn't been able to get rid of it after 50 years, if you recall. He was on the, he was in Johnny Blues with Robbie Gaffney about four years ago. Uh, Dundalk became Tom Dog. Tom, Tom, Tom Dog. D-A-W-G-G. Yeah, so that's so, the AI. Yeah. So one last story from AI. This will probably be our last 
last episode featuring this now but this this is a cracker oh, the bots are coming pal yeah so again James, they might spare us considering we're giving them a bit of airtime. I hope so that's the plan so yeah James Logar as you know has been getting great entertainment out of these chat GBT questions he puts in these random things he's probably going to get it off the bots bad because he we're making it out <laughs> as if he's taking piss out of them yeah so I for one welcome our AI overlords <laughs> So how he thought of this, I don't know, but he put in this the following. Write a story about Shamrock Grovers where the Star Striker is a giraffe. <laughs> I reckon he thought of this story on the way back from um, Cork, possibly. Uh, no, this was in a couple of weeks ago, actually. So this is what ChatGPT came up with. Oh Once upon a time, in the heart of Tada... There was a football club named Shamrock Grovers that it was known for its legendary players and unforgettable matches. The club had a rich history, but little did anyone know what, that fate had something extraordinary in store for them. In a distant land, a giraffe named Jeffrey dreamed of becoming a professional footballer. His lanky legs and graceful movements made him stand out among his peers, but his passion for the game burned brighter than anything else. Jeffrey's dream was to play for a renowned team and showcase his, his skills to the world. Word of Jeffrey's talent reached the ears of Shamrock Grover's manager, who was intrigued by the prospect of having a giraffe as a player. Intrigued and open-minded, the manager decided to give Jeffrey a chance to join the team, believing that his unique physical attributes could bring an exciting dynamic to the field. <laughs> Jeffrey's arrival at Shamrock Grover's was met with mixed reactions. Some fans were sceptical, while others were curious to witness the potential of this extraordinary athlete. The media buzzed with speculation, and the excitement in the air was palpable as the team prepared for their next match. As the day of the match arrived, the stadium was filled with curious spectators, eager to catch a glimpse of the giraffe in action. <laughs> the moment finally came when Jeffrey, towering above everyone else, stepped onto the pitch wearing the green and white of Shamrock Growers. From the kickoff, it was evident that Jeffrey was no ordinary player. His long neck allowed him to effortlessly reach high balls, while his elegant strides covered vast distances in a blink of an eye. The opposition struggled to cope with his towering presence. I fucking bet they did. <laughs> As he gracefully glided past defenders, his hooves dancing with the ball at his feet. Jeffrey's aerial prowess became his trademark. Corner kicks and crosses turned into opportunities that seemed impossible to defend against. With a swift flick of his head, he sent the ball soaring into the net, leaving both teammates and opponents in awe. The crowds erupted in thunderous applause, realising that they were witnessing something truly extraordinary. Match after match, Jeffrey's talent and presence grew, inspiring his teammates to elevate their game. The once sceptical fans now adorned themselves with giraffe masks. Giraffe masks! <laughs> Chanting his name and celebrating his every touch in the field. He, beca- he became a symbol of hope. <laughs> a giraffe. He became a symbol of hope. For other animals who want to make it in professional football. That's my favourite line. Breaking boundaries and proving that dreams could come true, no matter how unconventional. In the midst of his newfound stardom, Jeffrey remained humble and grounded. He understood that his success was a result of teamwork and the unwavering support of the fans. His long net became a bridge, connecting people from all walks of life. Oh my god, that's the Un- best one ever. <laughs> uniting them under the shared love of football. Shamrock Rovers became the talk of the football world, not just for their victories, but for their extraordinary star Schweiger, the draft named Jeffrey. The team soared to new heights, clinching titles and breaking records, all thanks to the incredible talents of their four-legged wonder. And so, the story of Shamrock Rovers and the giraffe star striker continues to be told, inspiring generations to believe in the power of dreams, the strength of unity and the beauty of embracing uniqueness. After all, 
It's not every day you witness a giraffe scoring goals with elegance and grace on a football pitch. And right in the middle shelf, we have Jeffrey's autobiography. It's Giraffe <laughs> Dreams. Symbol of hope, I'm told. Symbol of hope. Yeah. We're fucked when the bots take over. <laughs> yeah, Prop Soda Chris, we have the Quifties uh, three-way coming up. And here we go. So we're back at Rosan for day eight of questions in the East End. Uh, it's the last day of the qualifying round. So we're finally going to find out who makes it through to the first round proper. Uh, the defending champion Pico Lopez still has the highest score of about 7 points out of 10. And we actually have Pico in attendance here because uh, he's going to make the draw for us immediately after this game. So we have Rory Gaffney, Johnny Kenny, Liam Burt. So uh, Connacht and Scotland being represented here. They're going to attempt to beat Pico's score. Uh, you'll each receive the same 10 questions. There's a 20 second time limit. You write down your answers. When the timer goes off, put down your pens, turn your sheet of paper around, and tell me what you've written uh, one by one. So there'll be five football questions, five general knowledge. So you need enough points to finish in the top 16 of your fellow squad members. And I've just had a look there. Basically, if you get three today, you're true. So at least three. That'll be enough. Yeah. Because the, the, bottom, the bottom six have all two or less. So uh, Before you get two, though, it could come down to a tiebreaker. And you might be eliminated. So I'm just going to ask you the tiebreaker question before we start. Uh, in what year... Did Tata Stadium open? So when was the first game at Tata Stadium? What year? Does closes year count? Yeah, it does. Because okay. most people have gotten it wrong so far. Yeah. Do you want us to write it down now? Or? Yeah, write down. There's a little line there where it says tiebreaker. You can just write there. Okay, ready to go? Yep. Question one. How many years older than Stephen Bradley is Alan Manis? How many years older than Stephen Bradley? Don't don't be giving them hints there, Rory, come on. So we'll go we'll go Rory Liam or sorry go Rory Johnny Liam every time. So Rory? Three. 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 It's all said three, it's all correct, yeah. <coughs> Minus is forty one, yeah. Brazier is thirty eight, yeah. Is it twenty nine edition? Yeah, I think December maybe. So as you go along, can you just give yourself a little one to show you've gotten your, your yeah. points there? So question two. Which British club are the only team to win the European Cup or Champions League more times than their own league? So the only team to win the European Cup or Champions League more times than they actually won their own domestic league. Because I'll have something there, so Rory? I went Forest. Forest? Forest. <laughs> Is that Nottingham Forest? Yeah. Yeah. It's what do you have it? Nottingham Forest. Yeah. See two points on the board for each of you so far. Yeah. I'm impressed with that one, Pico. Now I like that they all do that one. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, good group, good group. Pending a disaster now, use it all to qualify now. Aim and DC play for Villa now in the Champions League. Who? Aim and DC. Oh, I think he did play for Villa, yeah. That's the only reason I thought Villa. Yeah. Aim and DC Park, yeah. Question three. When Inter Milan beat AC Milan in the Italian Super Cup, Barcelona beat Real Madrid to win the Spanish Super Cup at the start of this season. What did these two games have in common? So the Italian Super Cup and the Spanish Super Cup at the start of the season, they have something in common. What is it? Do you know, Bigger? He was a while ago, that's why it's tricky. Yeah. He's all have something? Nope. I'll give you this in a minute. I don't have a clue. I'm going something for football wages. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They were both finals. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Looking very, very specific answer, by the way. Hey, I, I said they're both derbies. Both derbies? I said it might take extra time. No. Saudi, you got it afterwards, but yeah. Well, no, I have to take have to take your written answer. Ah, come on. No, I have to take your written answer. Reels are reels are reels. Well, they were both. Yeah, that's two good guesses, though. Right, okay. Uh, so, no, nope. nobody have that one. Question four. Who did Spain beat in the 2010 World Cup final? 2010 World Cup final. Spain beat them to become World Cup champions. Every time I have a young player, I, they give out about World Cup questions that are anything before last year. Yeah, so right. Italy. Italy. Germany. Germany. Holland. Holland is correct. Point for Liam. That's Liam in the lead, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Uh, question five, last football question. Who was top goal scorer in the League of Ireland Premier Division in 2021 and who was the top scorer in 2022? So I'm looking for two different players here. Top goal scorer in 2021. Top goal scorer in 2022. I think that should see us into the... <laughs> He's all... Well, two easily confident. Georgie Kelly and Keena. Kelly and Keenan, yeah. Kelly and Keena. Yeah. Right, Kelly and Gaffney. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, the two lads are correct. I don't know how I clear about last year. Last year was a blot. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember from last week. <laughs> yep, yeah, George Kelly and Keane is correct. So, point for Rory and Johnny. So, these are all true now already before you even get to the. Get our knowledge. <laughs> it's a dead rubber now, isn't it? But just for out of curiosity, we'll carry on. So, general knowledge. Thank God, <laughs> Well, yeah, here we go. The unicorn 
is the national animal of which country? The unicorn. National animal of which country? I can't wait to see the answers to these now. Do you have to answer? I will make it interesting, you know what I mean? It's no fun if the page is blank. Just try try any old country there. It has to be something weird, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Right. Twenty seconds. Roy, you don't have anything, do you? Uh, Peru. Peru? Uganda. <laughs> I'm in Scotland. Ah, the way. That's correct. It's Scotland. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was so, so That's a dodgy country. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, you're right, it is a weird country. It's also a weird part where it kind of tenants on the Right, so multiple choice now, so you should get this. Who was the first man? On the moon, was it Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, or Buzz Lightyear? First man on the moon, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, Buzz Lightyear. Neil Armstrong. Oh, I don't know how you spell Aldrin. Well, you have to write something there because there's two buzzes. Right. Yeah, Neil Armstrong. It says Rory. I'm the same. Yep. Yep. Oh, you're saying Bull uh, Yep. Yeah, Neil Armstrong is correct. Point for Rory and Shawnee. I was just thinking of a, there's a Scottish program called Still Game, and there's a question like that, and it sounds funny. Imagine he knows <laughs> the unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question eight. It's a music question, but it's not Westlife, so there'll be no slight advantage here. <laughs> uh, complete this Spice Girls lyric. If you wanna be my blank, you gotta go with my friends. Jesus Christ! <laughs> These have all uh, got down there straight away, so I think he's having lover. 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 That's correct. Point for audience. This is from the 70s, so this is trickier. Oh, it's time. Question nine. <laughs> Who directed the movie Jaws? The movie Jaws. Who directed it? Never. That's, that's sacrilege, Johnny. It really is. Seriously, no. Never heard of Jaws. No. He's throwing in the towel already, lads. The shark movie. It's already thrown. You need to go home and educate yourself. <laughs> My God, I don't know. Vigo's not happy with this. You've seen it, Liam. I'm sure. I've seen it, but I don't know how to close it. Anyway. So what's that to work on Sharks. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Right. Nothing. Nothing. I went Tiger King was Tiger Shark. That was a. Wow. Yeah. I went Tiger King. I don't have We're looking for the name of a director then. Yeah, just. Pete's spell and put nothing oh, on. Spielberg's correct, yeah. And you robbed me a point here. Point for Rory. Smashing Pico's record, by the way. Where are you now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You have seven? Well, I there do. Last question is very tough, Pico, so I think you're safe here. 
Right. Question ten. I, I asked this to Gary O'Neill, Sean Gannon, and Gary O'Neill uh, Who's And I got some awful answers. So we'll see what you guys have. What is the only edible food that never goes bad? The only edible food that never goes bad. What is it? I definitely want you to write something down now because that's part of the fun. Like. He's something wrote already. I can't believe it. <laughs> Liam, Liam was straight in there. Right? Because the next 20 seconds. <laughs> if you want to write them. I'll give you a bit more time on this one. Stop talking about this. We on cereal. Okay, Johnny's getting something there now. I hope you just guess. Yeah, it's not great. Right, okay, right, let's go. Pasta. Pasta? Pasta. pasta. Liver. Liver? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, so. Going wrong. <laughs> Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> That's uh, Gary O'Neill said cheese as well, uh, but it's no. The answer is honey. Honey? What? Honey. No, no. Have you, seen, have you seen honey in the press? I was going to say sugar. Honey crystallises. Doesn't go bad though. Yeah. That's bad. That's, hey, that's as bad as questions, right? <laughs> finals. It's pretty even. It's not food. I wouldn't call honey food either. No, yeah. oh, honey's definitely food. Yeah, I'm thinking of food here. Yeah, I was thinking of rice seeking a bite or something. Yeah. There you go. Unlucky. Yeah. Oh, well, you've done well, Rory. Seven there. points. Can't believe I knew the unicorn. Seven <laughs> yeah. So, seven for Rory, you managed to get five. 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 I only got five. Five. I got five as well. Five for Liam. So, you're all true. The last 16. No danger there. Right, thanks, lads. That's it. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six out of ten. Takes it to seven. Well, it depends if you're giving me this. The ah, here. So we're not giving them seven. All right, okay. You see that now? Four. No, no, we're saying six, so. Yeah. That's what I said. Six or seven. Depends if you're giving me. No, thank <laughs> you. You didn't even write it. So we're here at Pico. We've just finished quizzing uh, Rory, Liam, Johnny, and all three of them have got through. So there's no need for any tiebreakers. Uh, what do you think of the standard, Pico? Um, I thought it was uh, it was decent. I thought the questions for this last game was relatively easy. I think um, mine were hard and and my scoring was, was pretty good. Like so, it'll be interesting second round now and going forward. Well, the knockout round will be different because it'll be one on one, and you're allowed steal, so you know accusations of easy or whatever. <laughs> so uh, so we have our sixteen qualifiers. Uh, six players have been eliminated. So we're going to call them out one by one. Pico's going to drop them into the cup. So at the top we have yourself, Pigo, seven points. So congratulations. Thank you. But you get nothing for the fourth round. You get nothing, yeah. And we have one, two, three, four, five players on six points. We have Roy Gaffney. We have Graham Burke. Jack Byrne. Marcus Pilm. And Aaron Green, so decent scores by the lads. Then Two we have surprise packages in there. Though, yeah. Then we have a cluster of fives. We have Dan Cleary. We have Liam Burt, who you just heard from. 
Gary O'Neill and Johnny Kenny as well. That was he was today. And here we have the fours. We have Gideon Tete. From Gideon. You were in that one. Yeah, I was in that one. Yeah. Dylan Watts. Leading Sarah Knowledge for me. <laughs> Sean Cabinet. And Simon Power have all advanced. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so, and the last two qualifiers we have Lee Grace and Sean Hoare both got three points. Last six, I Yeah, so three. name and shame, Vigo, who did not make it? So we have Leon, which I'm, I wouldn't say I'm surprised with that. Uh, big shock is Neil Ferruja, who's got about 10,000 points on his leaving cert. <laughs> uh, Colin Noonan. Darren Nugent, the skip Ronan Finn, which is a, a real poor showing for him. I'd like to think he'd be at least in the, the qualifying rounds. And uh, bottom of the barrel with one point is the most decorated footballer in Irish football, <laughs> Sean Gannon. Yeah, the wooden spoon for Sean there. Uh, to be honest, Ronan does, doesn't do well in these quizzes every year for whatever reason. I, I expect something of him. but He probably just wants an easy out. Just, he's not in for the competition once his mind elsewhere mind on fishing or something like that so just that must be it yeah getting the yoke so we can focus on that so they are gone so we have our 16 so let's do the draw here you go one by one yeah we can lay it out so we can sort of look at the round robin as we go along yeah. first out is Sean Cabinet Sean Cabinet is out first and this is who we play yeah Gary O'Neill Gary O'Neill that's the first matchup. The second matchup, yep. first out is Dylan Watts. Dylan Watts. And he will play Johnny Kenny. That is Dylan. a good matchup there, <laughs> I can tell you that now. Define good. Yeah. Uh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Probably shouting at your podcast. Next matchup Big Dan Cleary. Cleary. Finn's going to get Jack here. <laughs> That'd be good. We have. Aaron Green. Aaron Green. They were in the qualifiers together. Yeah. So they're back again. Next out is Marcus Pilm. Marcus Pilm. They play Pico Lopez. Oh, Ooh, Marcus Pilm. So, no, I could have picked an easier one there for myself. Well, it's my advantage with any sort of Irish questions, but yeah. they'll be all random, so you wouldn't know. <laughs> Next game, Graham Burke. The dark horse. So this will be the other side of the draw now. Yeah. Graham Burke. And he will play, oops, Sean Hall. Probably the first matchup that's probably space in terms of scoring. <laughs> Next out is Simon Power. Simon Power. And he will play Gideon Tete. Interesting one. Yeah. And then we have Lee Grace. Play Liam Bort. That's the Battle of the House. They've together, yeah. Two more, isn't it? Two more should be. So we have finally Jack Bourne will play Rory Gaffney. Oh, I like that yeah, one actually. It's a heavyweight battle there. I really like that one. Yeah. That could be good crack. I think Jack could get in Rory's head as well. So yeah, Sean Cavanagh versus Gary O'Neill, Dylan Moss versus Johnny Kenny, Dan versus Greener, Marcus versus yourself. So that's on that side of the draw. So you'll play the winner of Cleary and Green in okay. the quarterfinals. Right. And then we have Berkey versus Sean Hoare, Simon Power versus Gideon Tete, Lee Grace versus Liam Burt, uh, Jack Byrne versus Roy Gaffney. So that is the draw for the last 16.
What do you make of that, Pico? Uh, very interesting. Um, you look at the, the scores, it's very tight uh, for the lads that got through. I think I'm on the tougher side of the draw, to be honest with you. Um, it's good observation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, look, it'll be interesting, a bit of crack going forward. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this stealing and trying to get into people's heads one on one. Right, thanks very much. Brilliant, Cad. Thanks very much. Yeah, so I take when Prop sends me these, I do it. So I do it alongside the lads when I'm listening. And I got. You did well. I went North Korea for the unicorn because it's just batshit. Should have thought, sneaky prop questions, the Scotsman there. I, no. love, I love how long Liam was taking to think about it though. He was baffled, but then he ended did up writing it down in Scotland. Oh, did he not know? No, he took a long time to write it down. I reckon he, do you reckon that was no there's no way he twigged because I'm Scottish it's here it's pro, right okay maybe um, I went with I, the t- 20, I'm very poor with dates and finals and previous games like if you said to me 2006 World Cup I'll, I'll be like oh I'd have to probably have to look it up I'm poor like that uh, I went Belgium I don't know why got that wrong um, the Honey one I know that's 07 I think I got overall I was very very happy with the Honey was a nice callback to the first day of the quiz qualifiers Gaffney not happy with that question stinks now. That was a great question. The finals. Uh, well, I, wasn't, I wasn't impressed with Rory trying to sneak in an extra point at the end. But to his he answer didn't, he didn't was give me the horrific. Answer. I know. They were both finals. Ne- never meet your heroes, as it says. That's say. the type of smart arse comment in school that get you homework. <laughs> do you know, on a Friday. And do you know what? It, it was just fate that it's going to be Rory and Jack in the last 16. The two people who are nipping at me the most. It's going to be a blockbuster. Absolutely. You're going to have uh, Beauty and the Beast, Poom and Pico. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a great, great uh, he might, quarter. He might give him a run for his money. I but think so, yeah. I could, I could definitely see Pico getting to the final again. Uh, Tiger Shark, great director. Girl. Tiger Shark. I just thought that. I was just like, oh, go. <laughs> Tiger Shark. That's why you have to rise up now because it gives us gold like Tiger that. Shark. Yeah. Uh, and think- he didn't see Jaws. Kenny's dropped now for life. Oh, no. I'm never, I'm never staring them again. A few tricky ones there. A couple of gimmies. Spice Girls. They all knew that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Some tasty ones in uh, in the draw for the last 16. I was only... I walked to the bus stop and I don't think I'd even reached the bus stop. And then Robert Goggins texts me and he goes, Jack wants to know who he got in the quiz. I'm like, Jesus, news travels fast. No way. In the quarter, in the, no way. <laughs> yeah, so I told them it was Rory. Blockbuster yeah. quarterfinal, yeah. that is, with, with Rory So, Gaffney. yeah, they're, they're up for it. They're interested, anyway. But uh, if you remember the old system, I know it's a few years since we made it past the qualifiers and we reached the first round proper because it was abandoned during COVID. But the old system in the knockout round is first to five points. And if you remember, whoever goes first could be important. Because if you get your first question right, the other person could be playing catch up all the yeah, time. Yeah. And you're allowed to steal. Which also has The steal is great. It's a great element to Brilliant it. Brilliant element to it. Yeah. It's cutthroat stuff, bruv. So yeah, no more choose a trivia for a while. Speaking of quizzes. Uh I don't know when it'll be back, but I need an L break. And I'm washing my hands of that error from last week, right? That that is an IT amateur error. No, <laughs> The questions are sent in properly. How they're input into the quiz. I love how that annoyed not, Prof gets with these things. That is not my fault. It is eating away at him all week. And he's just dying to say on, on, on this. Um, yeah, right though as well. It's not you. It gets fixed. It got fixed on the night. But the problem is everyone's played it by then. So it's kind of too late. But ah well. These things happen. Yep. So Prof, turn us cross. 
down to eight men madness, okay? Um, we're going to talk about this, we're going to dissect it. With Trevor out, Trevor is out, uh, operation apparently on his groin. <laughs> oh, my groin! <laughs> Trevor had football on the groin. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we're going into Friday, Ferrugia joined top most tackles with 38. I put this graphic into the LMS because me and Phelan had been... Fellow Morna have been talking about how good defensively he's been recently. I couldn't believe that. Tour that was that was a striking stat. Really brilliant, was. wasn't it? Yeah. So we had Friuja, and we had uh, Cabo start instead of Trevor. Uh, great memories of Cabo's goal down the cross. Yeah, yeah. I think you uh, manifested this because you put me in your starting elevens last week. Did we bring up that goal last week? Yeah, you said have, it because yeah. I was struggling yeah. to remember the the. The game itself, and you oh, said yeah. Cavo's beautiful goal. Because our last trip down here was actually the McAniff goal in the summer. So that, that Cavo was kind of earlier in the yeah. season. Uh, 550 people travelling down, Prof. Uh, healthy. I was, I was a bit worried for a low crowd leading up to it, were you? 550 to Cork is healthy. Hmm. Definitely healthy. Um, bus notes. Uh, I think we might have equaled the horrible, disgusting temperatures of... Finn harps away on that one because um, you just can't you can't get around the traffic outside Dublin trying to get out of Dublin at that time it was an absolute mess we were checking the sat nav up the top boys at the guide seat and every single road was red and chock-a-block and he says it does not matter which way we go we're going to be stuck mm-hmm. in traffic either way it was horrendous it was sweltering um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be honestly like, at one stage I was, like just, I was, I was, I was sitting there and I was like I just got to get out <laughs> and they're going to be looking for me but they won't know because they'll be gone they'll be at home I was tempted to just jump out I don't think it was as bad as that bus that we're talking about which I think was dairy enough in Harps but uh, it was it was pretty goddamn warm and I even had shorts on which a lot of people were shocked by were like yeah. you, you don't you don't wear shorts you have legs yeah uh, it was an absolutely brilliant comedic moment where the bus was supposed to leave at 3 was it I think it kind of arrived a little after three. He was ju- he was just there. I think about mm. ten to. I think everybody was there. So I think we left mm. about ten past quarter past maybe. So we're kind of we're kind of uh, gathering at the edge of the little beer garden of the four provinces, and this cyclist goes by us, and he just he's interested. He's like, oh, what, what is this a game or what? And someone mentions a photo, and he says, I'll take I'll take the photo. So he goes across the tree, parks his bike. And we're just kind of... St- we're not all in the photo yet. There's maybe three quarters of us gathering. And you could not write this. He's he's holding up the camera. And next thing, the bus... <laughs> and then just covers him. And your man is gone. Out of frame. <laughs> oh. I was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I had Deco. Deco and me on the same bus at the same time. Which I think it's been at least four years. Yeah. I can only think of one time I was ever in the same bus as Deco. Um quite enjoy Ozzy Nate hurling constant questions at, at Turner he's no interest in the answers he just wants to annoy him go on give me some no, of this because I'm, really... I'm, I'm up on the fucking guide seat I'm sitting at the top <laughs> and I'm making my way back and, and I'm, I'm missing most of the crack I can't think of specific examples now um, oh, actually actually, this one no I can't think of it yeah it was it was about the Crotty and Fenlon era right and every time Turner would like be explaining what kind of football we play Nate would just keep wanting more. He's like, oh, elaborate. Like, what What do you mean by this? What kind of football? Why did we not like it? <laughs> and he'll just start to look at me and wink. He's like, I know exactly what you're doing here. But Toro probably fed yeah. into it. Toro probably <laughs> loving it. And the Jack Byrne song, it's not new, but 
maybe it's the first bus where we're kind of all really singing it. Yeah, give, uh, giving a, it a go. It's a cracker, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it definitely is. It's gonna it's gonna take off, isn't it? Shout out to Deco actually because he contributed that weasel doesn't miss line. Yeah, because you remember the original line. It was something terrible. It was something like he'll probably, he'll probably fucking miss was the lion. It's like, why are we singing that about? <laughs> why are we singing that? So about Jack's thinking our own oh, player. Yeah. You can hear him. He's like, yeah, okay, Jack, that's me. Yeah, he's probably gonna miss. What? <laughs> why are you singing that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, so definitely go crack. Um, Let's stop. Well, Dave Barry sweet chips, prof. Well, we didn't have them. Did we, we didn't have them. They don't. They don't exist anymore. No. We were uh, uh, we were a traveling chess club, according to you. Traveling chess club. Yeah, we got a, a quick game in, in Fermoy. So we stopped in Fermoy. Nice sunny little street full of pubs and locals, and all very welcomed in and opened arms. Very very nice people down there in Fermoy. Um, and then we <laughs> I got and then, and then nothing else happened. Here, so. Here's what happened, right? So we're on the bus, and I'm looking. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. We all here. Yeah, yeah, we're all here. <laughs> Someone just goes, The prof! <laughs> it was like, Home Alone. Kevin! <laughs> and I was like, The prof! <laughs> so I said, Park over there! And I'm running, and I'm like, Prof! Prof! And I can see you and the gent with the supermatch, and I'm like, Run! And the two of you are like, <laughs> it, was a, it was something like something out of a movie, man. It was the funniest thing ever. Like I said, we're not going to have it out. Uh, because this was a good 10-15 minutes earlier than you said we'd leave. Oh, God. But, okay, it's in the past. It's happened now. <laughs> More importantly, the driver then goes the wrong way. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, or Stanford, 2023 and no female bathrooms in the way in the cork. It's an absolute disgrace. Their, their new fancy toilets that we had a song and dance about weren't weren't there. So two port for... Three port for 550 people. It's not good enough, bro. Realistically. And this is the, the second best ground in the country, is it? Realistically, so. It is a disgrace. I mean, come on. How long did they know that those toilets were of action and what is the story? I, I, honestly think, that's... I honestly think we need to shut down conversations like that. Whenever you say, oh, Turner's Cross, it's a great place to go, it's a great stadium, proper... Just shut it down and be like, no, no it's garbage. Um, In June, or in, in May... They had three bathrooms, three portals for five hundred fifty people, including women. So no, yeah, it's not. It's not a modern stadium. Bookmark that one. Uh, Mark Welch wheelchair toilet was closed too. Official line on that that there was no water. Yep. Um, uh, okay. So Gare, since LOI Central refused to read out Fadim's brilliant email Dear into them, God, they just read out the start and the end because they were like six hundred words. There's no time constraints on podcast lads, just mm. in this medium. It's obviously their producer or the whoever's in the background and he's telling mm. them that they can only go for an hour. I wanna know why that is. It may be just Dan has things to do maybe after an hour, which is fair enough, but I just find it amusing that the idea of time constraints in this medium. There aren't any. Yeah. Especially when you have something as good as this from Phelan, which sums it up brilliantly. I'm actually that's um, my next mailbag question. Why do you limit it to an hour? Genuine question. Well, if you heard their tone going in, it was like they're sick of talking about referees because they have been for the last month. But this was extraordinary. Yeah. This is not even in comparison with what we've seen this season. So let's just. Are we going to take turns here? Are we? No, we'll just use Fedham's email as a sort of platform and then we'll expand on it with our own opinions on the three red cards. 
Right, so I'll go up until number one, right? And then you take over, yeah? All right. Enough with that. Right, Phil, lads, as you know, I'm a hoop. I'm also relatively sane in terms of behaviour and outlook in life. And if you have a busy, I'm sure you have a busy mailbag this week, please indulge me a few minutes over Cork with the exception of what happened to Stephen Bradley as Cork City and the corner flag bar have acted with heartening speed and decisiveness, which we all commend. I know refereeing is difficult, it's thankless, and without them we've no games. Referees and assistants slash forward officials do, however, have a duty to control the game. Think about what they're awarding and remain calm and objective the exact opposite to what happened in Cork tell my information is the linesman told the referee tell kick walker in the face now for a linesman to say that he must be 100% certain Mark McCadden's tweet with behind the net footage prompts three scenarios over the prof number one scenario the linesman has the finest eyesight in human history to see a kick in the face given two players fall together and tangle if he's 100% certain of that, more power to him because that is impossible to see with 100% certainty. And I'll interject on this one and this is the same referee that paused the game because he was getting a little bit of abuse in draw it when we got two players sent off. Do not forget that. That's a fact that a lot of people don't know. I was standing next to him. I was talking to the people who were in around giving him a bit of stick saying line up, you baldy this, you baldy that. Part and parcel of the game. It happens. He turned around and he re- reacted back to us and I said to the lads, I said lads, just drop it. We're not going to get at now with him now. We're, we're, it's going to affect the game. He ran over to the ref and he pointed over and he said, no, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore if I keep getting abused. I'm nearly sure there was an announcement over the Tannoy as well. Mm. So prof number two. How does he see through all those like bodies in the way? It's ridiculous. I just thought you were going to say how does he see through the hair in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, I could have made that joke. Number two. He guessed he saw it because Walker held his face and got up immediately to taunt towel when he saw the red. Or number three, Lionsman was economical with the truth of what he saw. Right, so the tell red is a joke and the appeal dismissal adds insult to injury and makes a laugh of any process to reverse a wrong because this was wrong. Kenny, the Kenny uh, situation, shoved into a fence by a Cork player. Only Kenny's instinctive protection with his arms prevents an injury to himself. Kenny rightly takes issue with the dangerous shove. Lionsman takes issue with Kenny complaint. Ref ignores the shove and books Kenny. Pathetic. Kenny's second yellow, while probably technically correct, comes from a minute after Grant laughably awards a free to Cork when Coffee fouls Ferruja. Even the Cork commentary says it's a free out. There's no second yellow for Kenny if the free is given out. So we'll dissect this slightly as well because when the actual second foul comes about, they are quite biased, the commentators. But one of them makes a noise. Like he goes, <laughs> meh. You know, they're like, oh, it's a yellow, it's a yellow. It's like, and your man's like, nah, I don't know, I don't think so. It's not a yellow. He pulls and he turns to like, do you know, do you remember the two wrestlers? The, they were called the Bushwhackers. And they would jump against each other with their backs as if a high five type thing, you know? Yeah. That's what happened. He turned his back. They both clashed with their backs. There was no, it was a coming together. There's no way that's a yellow. And common sense comes into it again. And you say, okay, he's just been booked for having a little mouth. That's a coming together. There's no malish, maliciousness in it. There's nothing like that. I'll have a little word on but he sends him off within seconds. So I that that's that's that dissected there. Well, but we, we got reports from a few people watching the LOI TV stream, and even the commentators who are homesters, like they're biased, they were baffled by all three red cards. They like were like, what? What is this? And um. Even on, the, I think, the Cork Three Little Pigs podcast, they were 
just celebrating it gloriously taking the piss because they know what's wrong like I mean if it was us on that end of it we would be celebrating like we've done with it wasn't a corner like we've done with it wasn't a penal like we've done with everything we celebrate these glorious horribly yeah but the, it wasn't the penal one have we ever made a shrine of that referee no we're just laughing at how bad the decision yeah, was yeah yeah they're a different yeah. breed in Cork in fairness yeah um, so there Three Little Pigs podcast uh, whore on a yellow again for a comment are these officials that are bloody precious every comment is a yellow or Sean Grant a poker dealer as a sideline from the throw whore and coffee go for the ball feet equally raised fair challenge whore wins the ball coffee goes down I've looked at this several times now it's not free in that split second when whore wins the ball you can see real Adriano Real who I'm not a fan of prof he absolutely shit the bed in Dundalk away if you remember that as well they were true on goal there was a decision that he made pulled it back and it was a Absolutely disgraceful decision in the 4-0 win. He was very, very poor there as well. Ford official conveying a message to Grant to card Hort again. The look of guilt and contempt and arrogance on Real's face is telling. This, quite frankly, lads, is a decision beyond contempt, bordering on sinister and as inept as at best I've ever seen. There is no basis that this is a card at any level. Again, I'm coming back to the other way central. Dan McDonald says he's watched this and he says, oh, I can see why that's given. Are you mad? Absolute bullshit in my opinion. We we were very fond of that podcast and the hosts themselves, but that is a terrible, terrible show. There's some awful takes going on. Even Paul Curry's analysis of all three cards are rubbish. Like it's it's literally a toe poke and he puts it out of play and you can see by his demeanour afterwards, he's setting up, he's pointing left and he's pulling people back and he's like, Okay, let's set up for this troll again. And he looks around and he's like, Whoa, <laughs> I'm getting sent off here. There's not like it's not even a foul on either end. It's just one of those like move on, not just play yeah. on. Right, prop Sean, Sean Grant. Carry on. Yeah, Sean Grant has sent five Robbers players off in two games. Only league races two yellows and draw were fair. Cleary's first yellow in that game was for time wasting when he didn't have even have the ball. When the fourth official told Grant that Cleary wasn't doing anything amiss, yet he went ahead and booked him anyway. Which then resulted in Cleary's second yellow minutes later. That was the mistaken identity one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That was Brazzer or Towel or somebody time-wasting. Frankly, lads, I'm sick of it. That display by the refereeing team is Cork. Was the worst I've seen in 44 years watching League of Ireland football. There has to be something done about Friday's performance by them. The FEI and referees circling the wagons won't cut it. The PFA need to get involved when their players are being banned and fined in the wrong. It's not good enough. Uh, apologies for the length but I have to write it to purge my brain of five days anger <laughs> did you see that got like that was a, a headline in their mailbag just that sentence there yeah I have to purge my brain of five days anger so that was Fane and Warren which uh, would a really good summary of all the events yeah so overall brilliant brilliant stuff from Fane and very very level headed approach and not biased at all because it's it's very very hard to deal with because like I said I thought it was a Brad's that got sent off, but when you look back on the whole incident as a whole, I'd love, I'd love to get the way Sky Sports do it. I think it's Dermot McGallagher. I'd love to have because the Rings End connection there, lads. Anybody from Rings End know him? <laughs> we could get a little video done and ask him to analyse it, just to get his opinion on it because he's a good ref and he knows the stuff. I'd love because he he gives genuine opinions. He gives cutting opinions, so I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, overall, it's just an absolute shit show. And if you go back to Sean Grant's personal affiliations, he's quite fond of Derry on his socials. A little bit fond of Cork on his socials as well. Horse racing as well, but we won't insinuate anything there. (laughs) But yeah, so... 
Yeah. So our take on the game first. Um, so yeah. So when we arrived, probably first Tifty's live review of the first twenty minutes. Here we go. <laughs> So Prof was head forced into a Supermax bag. <laughs> Didn't even use his hands. Like a, like a nose bag for a horse. But no, I'd eat it by then. But anyway, uh, a flare was let off in the 19th minute for no reason, Gar. Certainly because, certainly not because someone was only arrived on the ground. <laughs> uh, the tail red car was on 37 minutes. So, I mean, we're, this happens, we're behind the goal and... Like most people miss it. Like I'm turning to my left and I'm right. I'm like, what happened? Did he kick him? Some people are suggesting, yeah, he kicked out at him. Then you kind of you watch the LOI TV review or uh, angle, and Tell goes down, holding himself as if yeah. it makes him look a bit guilty. So my instinct is like, maybe he did throw a kick at him, and your man is holding his face. But then you slow it down, his foot is nowhere near his face. So yeah. your man is play acting. Then I'm like, did he kick him in the leg or something? He didn't touch him. Tell his pull down. There's a tangle. His his body actions are just normal for someone who's been in a tangle and then gets up. The the court player has just conned the linesman. So the linesman calls this. Tells Grant he's after kicking him in the face there. So not only is this been given a red card, but this even goes to an appeal. And they actually watch this in slow-mo behind the goal and they still decide... That this is a kick to the face. They're that prehistoric and that that way in their old school and they're thinking that they look they won't assess the whole situation as a whole and say what happened previously, what happened there, the whole thing. They'll just look at the slight kick out or jolt of a the kicking, legs. A kicking motion. A kicking so motion. a kicking motion that's potentially violent. Is that no violent conduct? That's what they're gonna say. Well, they're gonna say he potentially did it and they won't look at anything. Are we else. accepting this nonsense? Well we have so we've no choice. They're, they're untouchable really um, yeah so the rest of it is pretty much a non-event then well, in terms of the game like it was in kind of a non-event first half aside from the red yeah. obviously but I didn't think we were playing particularly well but neither were Cork Cork never played well at any point even against eight men they were awful That was, I was literally going to say that I said it's probably the worst performance I've ever seen against against that well I've never seen any anyone play against eight men but it was shocking they should have ripped us to shreds do you know what their commentary said they were holding up the ball in the corner flag and the commentators were like yeah yeah hold it up lads see you out the game against eight men eight men man <laughs> it's crazy but, um, yeah so 61 minutes is the Kenny red and then 63 two minutes later is the whore red and you're just like what is happening We've actually gone down to eight men. Yeah. First, you're, like the crowd's in shock and they were, were pissed and we're, we're shouting at the officials. But then there's a kind of a defiance thing, you know, where we're actually we're in good voice and was we're, hopping, we're yeah. singing. It's actually a great away end. And the players responded to that like the players showed a good fight. But yeah, we even had a chance. I think we had another chance. Another chance. Nearly. If that sneaks in by the post, <laughs> imagine the scenes. Um, Was that before or after the goal? We had a chance before um, the goal, I think. I mean, there definitely was one before it. Yeah. Definitely was one before. But even, even like, even the, all the, the goal goes in, Keith, not even going to bother talking about it. It goes in, it's, mm. it's a decent finish. He's, he should be finishing, he's in the box on his own. S- squared in and he finishes it. But even the Gary O'Neill fell that we should have got a 
free yeah. kick from him. We could have made something from it. We could have done something from to it. To me, that was very telling. The fact that... That was a blatant We're, we're foul, down man. to eight men and we get a blatant foul, what should be a blatant foul, near the edge of their box. And we won't. We don't even get that decision when the game is still technically in the balance because it's only 1-0. That, to me, is like... Something stinks here. It does stink, man. It stinks. Normally, we'll just say, ah, they have a bad day or whatever, but something stinks. He won't ref us again this season. Guarantee you. Maybe later in the season, they'll just say, ah, things have blown over Throw now. him in there. But um, he's not reffing this week, which which I kind of anticipated. I said, they'll leave him out for one week, they'll bring him back. And but that say, frustrates me, because why would they leave him out? Because he had a bad performance. But they still won't assess any of his bad they decisions they the red card they the red card you know what I mean um, yeah the <laughs> you know it's on the stream uh, the quality McGraw points as well LYTV couldn't even fit the three red cards I know yeah I was laughing at that it actually, was yeah, so unprecedented I didn't know yeah so the post-match gear I remember watching this on the bus and you see Finner and Gary O'Neill around the referee but then when you slow it down it looks like a bit of Misunderstandings. There is, yeah. yeah. Someone, someone pushes Gary O'Neill. I think. I think what happens is Finner accidentally shoulders the ref into Gary O'Neill, or I heard someone say that he st- accidentally stood in Gary O'Neill's toe, and then Gary reacts kind of badly. So maybe it just happened. Like it doesn't seem to be anything intentional there, but yeah. they're obviously pissed. They were pissed, and we're told the dressing room afterwards they were just sitting there in silence disbelief it's hard to believe man it really is it's a it's a very very tough one to take and like you said it's something that we've never ever seen before it's unprecedented and it's a shock to the system so you can only imagine how the players feel actually being involved in it so but unfortunately some unsavoury scenes and uh, abuse towards young Josh Stephen Bradley's son so absolutely disgusting behaviour and personally I think name and chain them name and chain them Maybe the maybe the police are doing that and they're they're looking after it next now. But mm. uh, we Brad we see Bradley saying it's disgusting. I'm gonna put in a report to the police singing about my son. You take stick as a football person that comes with it. That's your job and that's fine. But speaking about a sick nine year old is disgusting and Cork City should be ashamed of him. I want them banned for life. It's disgusting. That has no place in football or society. It's disgusting behaviour. Yeah, well, he did report it to the Gary and then Cork, in fairness, to their credit, they've responded very well, very quickly to the whole thing. They've banned, uh, identified two individuals, banned them for life, and there was a fundraiser as well for two charities, which was a nice thing to do. So, yeah, credit to Cork for their response, but like Brazier says, and you say, the lowest of the low, just despair for humanity sometimes. Like yeah. even, even Bowles fans wouldn't go there. Genuinely, I think Bowes fans wouldn't even dream of singing that. When I heard it, I just thought, no. Nah, it's not true. It's not true. Like. Was it the little beer garden in the corner? The beer garden where you can watch yeah. the game from. Because initially, Cork claimed that it was just a couple of kids outside the ground. No, but no, it was inside the ground. I remember, yeah. I was watching Bluebell up there a year ago last year. In the, I think it was the Charlie Cattle Cup. And that is where all the abuse was coming from as well. Hmm. So... I think it's a, a gang of fellas. The uh, the Robbers fans from Cork, David Murphy was at the game. I noticed him in the uh, in the crowd. And uh, what do you say, Digger? Who who do you bring with him? 
Oh God, no! I've had a few ales at this stage. Prophet definitely was talking. What's he say? He said, "I brought this little fella from Colombia to the game." Yeah, he got. I brought a little fella from Colombia. Little Colombian boy. Little Colombian fella. <laughs> and we were chatting away. Nice fella. Yeah, he's fucking mad. He's off his head. Great fella though. Did you notice the couple from Oldham there as well? I interviewed them years ago. Yeah, I did actually. Did they? Loney met them from the Oil of Man tournament. Ah, uh, yeah, they were yeah. there. Very, very cool. Um, yeah. So, Amy Gallagher, prof. What was Aaron Bulger at? Uh, given large two away fans and crawling after crawling over the line we versus eight men so I actually missed this now I didn't see it I saw a couple of people giving out about it alright surprised considering we've been very good with them a couple of the lads coming out of the ground were talking about Bulger and uh, I was like jeez what do you do but yeah he he walked down to the away end rubbing it in kissing the crest which you can understand were we on his background and did we did we say anything to him didn't notice any abuse towards Bulger they were just hanging on against eight men. We've said nothing to him, and he comes over giving it loads. Uh, he's playing to the crowd. He's What's playing, that about? He's playing to the crowd. Oh, it was a whole crowd, you know? Yeah, so Brad's I didn't hold back on the officials in the post-match uh, comments. <laughs> yeah. He went to tell man. We won't read the full thing out. I think everyone's read the quotes, but no. he, uh, yeah, he said their arrogance is incredible. I like that part, especially. I like that he's pointing out their arrogance. The arrogance is the big thing here for me as well. It's the fact that you can't speak to them and you can't you can't have a conversation and they won't talk mm. to you. They won't mm. talk to you. Like Communication is essential in football mm. games and as a referee and they won't actually physically talk to you or say, okay, um, like even my example, if I had been that ref and Kenny had a kind of bumped into your man, I'd have said, listen, you, you're booked, kid. You're only on. Take it easy. Instead of just fucking sending them straight off. You know what I mean? Common mm. sense comes into it. I met Glenn Crawlin actually coming into Rosetown. He came in on the bike before I was quizzing the lads. He cycled over, did he? Yeah. And if you watch the, the footage, it looks like what's happening is he's calling Glenn Cronin over. And it looks like Glenn is like, well, I can't encroach the pitch. Glenn was being like a spoiled little brat. Yeah. Glenn was like, can't go on pitch. <laughs> no, not going on. And even the commentators are like, what's Cronin meant to do here? They, he's they literally calling them on the pitch he's like okay, yeah. go on if I go on you'll probably book me <laughs> yeah. he'd be like I have you no you're <laughs> on the pitch now you get booked yeah now but Brazzer he spoke about the arrogance he can't speak to them he called it embarrassing disgraceful the worst he's seen and they're not fit to referee in this league I mean he's probably going to get fined for that but he had to come out and say that it's set the standard now hasn't it had to say that absolutely yeah totally agree with him Um, yeah so the prof um the Richie appeal. Tell me about this. Well, there's a quote from Mark McCadden there. I just want to read that. Yeah. So, I think the appeals process has let down some players, including Dylan Connolly and Keen Coleman. I see this one as a real tester of whether or not the process is a waste of time or not. And it's confirmed. It's a waste of time. It is a waste of time, yeah. Absolute total waste of time. So, has has any appeal been successful? I thought I saw one where it was reduced from three to two game ban. I'm open to correction that, but I feel like I saw that happen. But... I just I'd love to know the wording on the violent conduct. So because the referee interpreted it as violent conduct. I wanna see the match report, that's what I want. So to because it was interpreted as, as violent conduct on the day by the ref, we're still gonna treat it as violent conduct even though the footage shows there was no contact. So it appears to be just it has to be mistaken identity, otherwise no ban stands. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just very frustrating, Prof. Um, 26 cards, red cards total this season. Um, 
and Tommy T totally innocuous innocuous leg straightening that was a judge to be <laughs> violent conduct I have a few quotes from Tommy here uh, I, I enjoyed the, the worst mint that is Tommy Tommy uh, that's 500 quid by the way we spent appealing that yeah it's so, going straight into the Xmas the, well the, the Christmas uh, the Christmas fund that's maybe I just put up a tweet and burn the money but yeah there was actually a ref meeting between was it Manders players and officials uh, I, I remember the, I, hear, <laughs> I remember this came out and we were all, I was like yes finally something's being done and then you read the first paragraph oh this was before the game yeah <laughs> so I was like We'll fucking show you. <laughs> I was like, wow. Oh, you want to meet and talk and be civil, do you? Red cards. <laughs> a nice, open, clear-the-air meeting happened before this game. My God. But apparently the UK system is a lot more transparent. So the decisions will be made and the appeals process will go through all that. And then that gets put on the website and you can actually read about it. It needs to be more transparent like that and it needs to be independent. It needs to be a different company. Of other professionals who don't know the refs, who aren't associated with them, and who aren't affiliated with them, who aren't their mates, who aren't their cronies. They'll never. That is how it has to happen. I'm not putting it the same. Like it's like the guard ombudsman. If you complain about a guard, you used to have to go into the station where that person was, and you'd say, "I want to complain about Johnny," and he'd be like, "Oh, right." So he go in and say, "Here, Johnner, he's complaining about you. I'm gonna take this." So this is me writing down the complaint. Simple. Yeah. So now it, it, I think an independent process would be great. But listen, the old the old boys club is back, so they're far too protected. Far too protected. Yep. Um, Merrill. Not every foul in is a yellow in football. Nor is every back chat to the ref. That was a shambles this evening. Yeah. Donald. Uh, we also well Merrill just pointed out that we had eleven cards total dished out, including Bradley Cronin. Wasn't even a dirty match. No, it wasn't, yeah. That's the other thing I'm curious about. When the assessors sit down and they see that there's nothing in the match, like there was no, the players weren't getting feisty or anything, how did they then justify 11 cards? Yeah. No, it is, it's nuts. Uh, Donald, they're probably trying not to undermine rest, but it's having the opposite effect, making them seem arrogant and untouchable. Shambles. Prof, I believe you have some Sean Grant stats. Um, yeah, i got a couple. I mean, we all know we have six red cards this season. Five were by him in his only two games for us. So he's had five red cards and 20 yellows in two games. Um, I don't think it was 20 for us. I think it was, was it 16. Yeah. Um, Not far off, though. Yeah. He's refed. I went back a bit further. Sockway is quite good. You can actually go referee by referee. And it gives you little indicators of yeah. yellows and reds, doesn't it? It's actually very good. It. When you're looking at the his match history, it even tells you fourth official. So you can say, okay, I'll skip that one. So, right. so he's refed eight Robbers games from 2015 to 2019. And no red cards, interestingly. Um, he, he actually had done our last trip to Turns Cross with fans. 2019, the, the McAniff game we're talking uh-huh. about, one all. So if we go from 2020, he's taken... These are the Robbers games. He's taken Cork at home, Pats at home, and then this year, Drogheda away, Cork away. There were red cards in all of them, but one was for Cork. That's when, right. we, that's when we tonked them 6-0. Uh, one was for Joey O'Brien, actually. 
in the past game. Remember we, we sealed the title during yes. COVID? Yeah. And he was sent off with about 20 minutes to go. Are we seeing here, Prof? So there you go. That's actually... Uh, that's actually six red cards. So you can throw in the Joey one as well. But he's fond of an, an old early red card. Someone pointed this out to me. I thought this was interesting. He did 11 games last year. 11 league games. One of them was in the first division. He sent the player off in four of those... And on three occasions, they were in the first 25 minutes. Mm. Harps, Galway and Pats. There's a pattern here, Like Likes an old early red card. Um, absolutely awful take on Twitter. And that was that the stats were saying that Rovers are averaging a red card every three games. This makes me ashamed to be a statistician when I read garbage <laughs> like this. And then Donald Dowling replies, or one every 16 games when Sean Grant wasn't the referee. Perfect response. <laughs> so Sean Grant, yeah, some damning stats there. But Tommy Tommy Prof, he's back. This is one of the quotes of the year. If we're engaging in random speculation by far, the dodgiest thing about him is that he works in a supermarket next to a port. If HBO box sets have taught me anything, it's that he would be a per- it would be a perfect cover for all sorts. <laughs> Sabotka. This is his middle Sabotka. name Sabotka. I forgot his name, yeah. <laughs> Very divisive. Ziggy, Ziggy Sabotka. Ziggy. That must be the most divisive season of television ever. I, I enjoyed that season two of The Wire, but a lot of people tell you, like, oh, I hate that season. Came from left field, didn't it? It, was, just, it was very I, it was left field. Very, very left field. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I loved it. Um, Ziggy Sabotka. Yeah, another, I'm quoting Jim Conroy again. You know much I love quoting him, but he, can't, he used the phrase goo Do the voice, prof. Uh, G-U-B-U. You know what that means, Gar? No. It's, a, it's, an, it's a throwback now I know Johnny Ward likes Charlie Hawhey but this comes from him it means grotesque unbelievable bizarre and unprecedented oh goo it was paraphrased from a comment by Charles Hawhey while describing a strange series of incidents in the summer of 1982 oh. I think goo so sums it up yeah goo yeah. sums, sums it up yeah so uh, prof other results um, I had a Everyone had a stinker in the prediction league this week because everybody had Pats or everybody had Rovers, everybody had all the had Derry, everybody had them. So I'm still floating about. Dirty Fingers is on top. Tommy Tommy's way down. Tommy Tommy's getting ho- hockey down of it. I'm right about to pass over Davy Doyle. Neil Walsh is way down below as, le- as well. Fecret is out for the count. Um, enough is enough. So yeah, some lo- loads of Rovers lads involved in it. This is a big week now. I think I'm still climbing up. So Bowes nil, Shelbourne nil. With the clean sheet king back in the building. Connor Cairns. Uh, Drop the tree. UCD won my last man standing pick. Profits getting. I have to I have to pick it today or tomorrow now. I think I know. I'm picking one week in advance now at this stage. Given, Looking at the next fixtures. Given how awful Sligo have been since they were impressive against us. I think all eyes were on Drogheda in this game. Because 100%. They were lucky that they got UCD here. Oh, it was very, very weary of picking them, thinking that they're going to slump yeah. back into it. If a this bad was result. anyone else, I think Drogheda would have lost yeah. their game immediately after us. 100%, yeah. Uh, Pats 2, Dundalk 1, and um, this is a stinger for Dundalk. 10 men, they're playing poorly. Um, Pats come and nip it at the end with 10 men, like it's it's bad. El Skip is struggling up <laughs> in the. Band the country. Um, Saturday, Sligo did us a favour beating Derry 1 0 at the showgrounds as well. So um, it's as is at, on the top of the leaderboard, prof. I don't think anyone expected that, really. I did didn't it? expect them to do us any <coughs> favours whatsoever. Because of the form they were in. <coughs> they, they're they, so up and down, aren't they? They lost three since they were looks very, very good against us. Mm. 
Uh, John Daly got the past job. I find this one odd because he was brought in by Clancy. And they mm. got rid of Clancy. He but was assistant keeping manager his there about two years, wasn't he? I think he was. John Daly? I think he was, yeah. I, I, think, he, I think Clancy brought him in with him. So whatever, yeah. for however long Clancy was couple in, couple years, yeah. I find it odd that they just give him the job, you know. It's mm. it's it's a tricky one. I find it odd that he was he wanted clarification so soon. Like, he was only in the job three games. And he was like, I want, I want clarity on my position. I was like, well, you're an interim manager until yeah. we appoint someone. Until we appoint someone, yeah. I suppose because he was there so long. But um, yeah, like I we kind of mentioned earlier, how bad was Artie's soccer and Paul Curry's? T- I don't think Paul Curry even watched all five. I don't. I think they just. If, I think he just kind of did it on the fly. If you are not winning the take the time, there's five incidents, right? There's a straight red and there's two yellows and two yellows. That's five. If you're not winning the take the time to watch all five, I'm not interested in your opinion. Yep. Don't care who you are. Don't care who you play for. What you've done. Um, if you're not mm-hmm. willing to analyse it properly. Then it's not worth your salt, is it? Vinny, <laughs> some quotes from Vinnie Pert on Off the Ball. I've not written them down. I I don't listen to Vinnie Pert or Off the Ball. So, but even the quotes were annoying me. They were so bad. Apparently, he called Kenny petulant. Which, what? Just watch it back. What? What petulance? <laughs> um, I think petulant. Not a chance. He's not that type. Yeah, I think um, like he he's definitely not a rude individual or anything like that no sure I was only with him in the quiz there and he was obviously st- still a bit bummed out over what happened so I don't think I saw him in the best of moods on yeah. Monday but but even saying that actually right the, the phrase was mentioned wouldn't say boo to a ghost who would say boo to a ghost would you say boo to a ghost uh, no doesn't the if ghost, you saw a do ghost the... doesn't the ghost do yeah. the booing <laughs> I don't know Either way, if I see a ghost, I'm not saying shit to I it. would say goo-boo to a ghost. <laughs> goo-boo to a ghost. I have an idea, right? Because, geez, Edelweiss Central is getting a lot of airtime on this podcast. But this is the last one, I promise. Um, you know our pal, James Lowe? He's on a crusade to get his cans because he won the prize Where last year. Elephant? Where and they my... just will not give the man his cans, right? He, he needs his cans. So it got me thinking, right? Because I noticed uh, Dan Reed now he said, oh, I got a lot of this. I got a lot of people saying, this topic, this Are team, right? Make right? This viral? I have an idea. Campaign? The only way to do the quiz, the quiz question for the prize, right? Yeah. So now every week they ask the quiz question. I want everybody, you, Gar, me, everyone listening, send your answer in two words. James Lowe. No matter what the question is, answer it James, James Lowe. Lowe. Santry Hoop. Yes. yes. James Lowe, are we going to put anything else in? Just James Lowe, because they need some Just context. James Lowe. Yeah. Well, James, I suppose, needs to follow up with his yeah. regular So that's email. it, from now on. Yeah. So we're going to flood them with absolute fucking texts, messages, yeah. tweets, everything. So James Lowe, yeah. ah, James Lowe. So they be like, well, the answer is Paul Doolan. For some reason, 84 people sent us James Lowe. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, Scales he made the Ireland squad for Greece so congratulations after a solid season coming toward in the SPL so well done Scalesy, brilliant brilliant player um, the downfall of John Delaney has been made into a TV series so is Deco available that was my first time I hope they watched the four yeah. provinces jeez um, that'd be brilliant that'd be absolutely brilliant I, if they do it right there was also a thing that came out today did you read about this? The Sports Direct six and a half million repayment. This is unbelievable. So they pretty much said, "Listen, 
throw me name on the cup there and we'll, we'll call it quits <laughs> they got they got six and a half million for a sports direct but they weren't aware that they could ask for a repayment at any point up to April 2020 and then the shit hit the fan 2019 and then Sports Direct called it in they weren't aware that they would have to pay back 6.5 million what euros what a shit show what a shit show and it's it's an awful like it's an awful task for the CEO Jonathan Hill isn't it to have to clean this mess up it's, it's going to take at least 10 years to get them steady and in a decent a decent place financially and we come on the show and we say why isn't the prize money better and stuff like that well here's, your, here's, here's your answer that's your reason yeah. great quote from Brian McKenna he summed it up well so they threw three years FEI Cup sponsorship at them for a 5% cut off the debt so zero income accruing to the FEI league or clubs from the sponsorship for three years Sports Direct named on TV press repeatedly through that period Run by absolute idiots to get that fucking rock out of Rosestone ASAP. He's dead right, man. John Delaney's name on a rock and Rosestone. Up there with a chisel. Um, Luton are in the Premier League. Barry, not a fan of their airports. Um, Nor me, actually. It's. I tried it once and there was a bomb scare and I had to change my flights. <laughs> yeah, Luton, it's not. Uh, Jesus, they're, they're going to spend a fortune on that stadium. Um, Barry Cotter's Barnsley failed to win promotion to the championship uh, this fella is mad on Twitter and Instagram man. oh he's a spoofer he's, did you read that article he's played once yeah he's played once and he's been on sub the odd time like, he's off his head you'd swear the way he was gone if you read that article if you were like an alien who dropped out of the sky but you, you, you knew about football <laughs> this is <a> weird analogy <laughs> but <laughs> Football, uh, yeah. well-versed <laughs> yeah. football aliens. If you read that, you would assume, okay, Cotter is clearly their captain and he's driven them to this promotion playoff final. He started one game and mm. he came on for 10 minutes in the final, did he? I don't think... Did he even come on? Did he come on? I don't think so. I wasn't Either watching. way, he was on the bench anyway. He, well, he, he reverted back to pictures of... The one picture of him on the pitch to him warming up. I think someone described it as misguided confidence. Absolutely, yeah. He was very confident in starting in the championship next season. Madman. He was very confident, Gar. Yeah. Well, he won't be. Uh, Aston Villa got the Conference League prop. It'd be good with the game if we reached the group stages, wouldn't it? It'd be a great trip over there. Yeah. There's a the few. Birmingham. A chart went up there a few days ago, didn't he? Kind of showing all the potential group stage teams from like uh, England and the top top continent clubs. Some tasty ones. Yeah, so we have the women, Prof. Yeah, so 2-1 win over Galway on the Saturday. After the court game, Garrett, to be honest, I was not in the mood for any football. I just wanted to chill out at my house. But I ended up watching three games of football. Because you had Glen Malore, you had the women, and then you had the Ireland under-17s. So a lot of football on the Saturday. But uh, the women won 2-1 against Galway. So this is their first game of the second series and they had drawn one away on all in Galway before. So first half there wasn't too much to talk about. Um How's Hooperman? Is he good performance? Yeah, decent performance. He was getting in getting out in the belt. Uh, not too much to talk about first half. I thought it was kinda a lot of sloppy play and not many chances to talk about, but right on the stroke of half time, Anya Garman got a good goal. Uh, like it was literally the last kick of the game 
So perfect time to score. And then Abby Larkin makes it 2-0 early in the second half. So uh, so actually this goal came from... Like we needed a bit of magic in the game to like win it. And uh, we got it from Lee O'Leary who... She is super, isn't she? She's one player of the month. And she got, it was a bit of like a Trevor Clark thing. She single-handedly got us 70 yards up the pitch in one goal. And then she laid it off for Savannah McCarthy. She won player of the match. And she set up Abby Larkin. Good touch and finish. So that was 2-0. Goal we pulled them back. Good goal by them, by them as well. But uh, we held on for 2-1. And yeah, Galway have been doing well this season. So that's a good win. Still unbeaten. I was with Shane Mooney for this one, Gary. He was my companion in Tata. Oh, He's a regular at the women's matches. Uh, so I've maintained my 100% home league attendance. I'm not making any promises for this All-Ireland competition because Colley has admitted himself he's, he's going to be down a few bodies from the World Cup okay. and he's going to just try out some younger players. So I don't know if he'll be going to all them, but I'll keep going to the home with the games. Um, Bow's away next Saturday. Or sorry, this Saturday. And 48 days now until the Women's World Cup. 48 days, bro. At least until Ireland's first match. Right, so player of the month and goal of the month. We saw double awards, prof. Richie Townley, O'Leary having a great month. And Richie's goal in Derry won by a landslide, 76. And Leah's striking at long was chosen. So an excellent month for the two guys. The academy, prof. The academy. In the Gwynedd Cup in Vence, France, our under-12s won all nine of their group games. The last being a 1-0 win over Monaco. And they were beaten on penalties by Barnes Eagles in the last 16. I couldn't even tell you where they're from, prof. Um, congratulations to our 2012 group on winning the DDSL Under 12 Cup Sunday afternoon as well. More silverware, Prof, um, coming to the Roadstone. And and there was only two National League games on the weekend. Yep, so only National League games at the weekend where 15s won 4-0 at Bray with a Charles Ackenman Toyo hat-trick. He's banging the main, Prof, and the 14s be trying to 9-1 in the group stage of the Cup. So Desmond Armstrong netting four times. So real talent coming out of this group, Prof. Yeah, so then there was the under-17s European Championships that I spoke about. Um, after we had recorded last week, they got a really good, impressive 4-2 win over the host Hungary in the last group game. So they qualified, but then they had a formidable Spanish side in the quarters. Oh. And uh, got home and caught the second half of this, and they were kind of getting back into the game at 1-0, but uh, the Spanish were, were too good. Uh, ends up winning 3-0 the future is bright though prof the yeah. future is bright but uh, they did fantastically well to get that far and all five of our, our Rovers boys featured in the game and four of them are Ashfield College students Naj is in transition year so excellent stuff prof Albion Rovers just relegated from the Scottish football are planning to rebrand the Shamrock Rovers Co-Bridge to tap into the town's Irish heritage if the new consortium takeover happens that's an odd one isn't it that, that is really strange. Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, Sevilla beat Roma on penalties in the Europa League final. A friend of the show, Guido Prof. He was over there in Budapest having a ball. And the choreo going into the ground was brilliant. And unfortunately... Um, <coughs> did you... Uh, on the topic of referees, did you see Mourinho uh, chase down Anthony Taylor after the game? No, I didn't. In the car park. In the car park. In the car park. Gave him a fucking a, a bit of his mind. <laughs> I need to watch this. Piece of his mind. Said to him, you're a disgrace. This and that. Giving him loads mm. in the car park. So That's that's the first uh, 
final Mourinho's ever lost, isn't it? The stats going into that were fascinating because it's mad. It's mad like the records Sevilla have in the Europa League. It's mad how a, a team can just have a knack in a certain cup, like like Real Madrid having the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. But then you go back to the Cup Winners' Cup, which was which went on for over thirty years, and no one ever retained it. I know. Yeah. No one retained oh, the Cup Winners' Cup. And you look at the Gustav Spanish teams have won their last eighteen, well now it's nineteen, European finals against non-Spanish teams. <laughs> Goes back to two thousand one. Uh, I presume that was Liverpool. Was it? Liverpool yeah. won the UEFA Cup. But uh, yeah, the stats oh, were the were stats. fascinating going into that. Something had to give that day, didn't um, it? Other European news, Prof. Uh, the Love Inn in Belfast. If we end up drawing Larn, they will play the European home games at Solitude. So plastic pitch for us. One of the better ones, apparently. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting if we get them. Massive Love Inn. I don't think Larn mm-hmm. have the biggest support base. So there'll be plenty of um, there'll be plenty of. Cliftonville fans there in our support that day I would imagine Solitude on the, on the 12th of July yeah <laughs> uh, Maloney's Glenmalore report from last Wednesday wasn't to be for Glenmalore tonight as the team were beaten 3-0 by a very good Fairview Celtic team despite the result it was a great occasion for the two year old club in their debut final the lads can hold their heads up high and have another shot of winning a trophy in the Shield final and tearing your on Saturday there was a great Rovers turnout at the Northside venue tonight and fair play to Bradzard and Cronin Torn up to support the lads and we're there right until the end. The lads are all understandably disappointed right now but can be proud of their performance this season. It's not over yet. I have a local derby against Towlock to look forward to at the weekend. And you took that one in on the Saturday, Prof. Yeah, so that, that final that Maloney was at, that was at Home Farms ground. Uh, this one was in Terranure on the Saturday, yeah. Went 3-0 down the first half, so... It was uh, it was looking like curtains for Glen Malora, but a spirited comeback. Fought back to 3-2, made a game of it. Uh, I, and I think most people, were most impressed by number five, Josh. Very, very good player. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, by the way, the Rovers Twitter, before the Wednesday final, said, best of luck to the Rovers fans team. Mm. That's what they said. <clears throat> Kevin Street hoops. <laughs> We'll just leave that one linger. Um, but really good by Glenmore to get the two finals. That was my. Uh, I'll, I will admit that is my first Glenmore match that I've been to. But uh, I wanted to go to that one because it was very, very near me, and I was hoping they would pick up their first bit of silverware. But wasn't to be. But they got two, two finals. Two finals. only first couple of years. Yeah, well done, and they're going yeah. on strength to strength anyway. Hopefully, and they'll move on and pick up a few good players and. A couple of more, maybe a league title shot next year, Prof. Uh, so start 11s and predictions. Right, so Prof, we are Dundalk at home. And it's not, we're, we're fairly uh, limited to what we can go for here. So no poles. So I'm going to go poles, Grace, Pico, Cleary. Still have rocks at the back row, okay. Cavo on the left and Finn on the right. I'm going to go Gary O'Neill and Tell in the middle. Uh, Poom isn't going to get... Well, you won't be going Tell in the middle. Yeah. Sorry, Tell is out. Yeah, right. Tell is out, yeah. I'm going to go Poom in the middle. Who's a troll between them. Apologies, Prof. Poom and Gary O'Neill in the middle. And Bourne, Bork and Gaff up top. Um, We need to blitz these in the first 60 minutes and get this game done with. And then maybe bring on some youngsters. Bring on the Naj. Bring on the, the Teta. Bring on the Ferrazai. So that's what I'm going for. Teddy, I'm gonna go. Teddy I'm, hasn't featured. I'm gonna go three nil because I was listening to the podcast from the men who save football, 
the Dundalk pod, they're extremely critical of how they've been playing. They're extremely critical of their centre half pair and they reckon they haven't got enough time and experience to be thrown in at the deep end the way they are and they're missing a holding midfielder and that they're just not playing well. And that they're even going down the rabbit hole to say that they could possibly rest players with eyes on Monday for UCD at home in Oriel Park. So that's just them spitballing on their current situation in football. So Yeah, I know you like to listen to them before and after. Uh, I did last season as well. I listened to them after we beat them. Remember we beat them 3-0 where we basically took advantage of their high line. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the last meeting we hadn't had, had a, the 3-0 win. And I'm going to go 3-0 anyway. I'm going to say Gaff to get off the mark. Not, not off the mark, but just to get out of the little slump that he's in. I'm going to go up the left field here, Gar. I have the same team as you, bar one. Who? Aaron Green instead of Gaffney. Oh. Gaffney has had a bad few games. Now, we heard at the start of the season that he's having trouble with his knees. So, it could be still the case. Are the knees bothering him? That's actually him? a good joke. Um, I think Greener, like you said, we need to start the game well. I think Greener could play a role here. That's not a bad show. I like your style, bro. Throw Gaffney on, laid on. Ooh. There we go. Don't rely on him for the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, maybe so. Because so, it hasn't worked, Rizzy, has it? It hasn't worked mm. in the last two games, yeah? Maybe so. So, yeah, I'm going to say 2-1 victory. 2-1 victory. For the hoops. Um, we've won our last five home league games with Dundalk. Uh, since the 2019 defeat in Tata, you know, the Sean Gannon goal. The only other Tata meeting was the President's Cup with the draw, and they won in Penos. Um, yeah, like, I, we're down a lot of bodies... You'd wonder where the goals from Alwyn play would come from. Mm. Like, set pieces were always dangerous yeah. with Jack. But could be relying on a bit of Berkey magic here. I'm hoping so. Yeah, he's due one. He's due a goal. Um, soon, isn't he? Paul, McG- Paul McLaughlin is ref on Friday. The fellow who sent off Grace for a ball in the face. Yeah, so yeah, it's not, that. not really an improvement. But, um, yeah, McLaughlin ref. Yep. Uh, FAI Cup first round draws on Monday now known as the Sports Direct FAI Cup for sponsorship reasons or for idiotic reasons you could say so that's draw is on Monday Prof we will know by the time we're on our bus to Sligo we'll probably know or we'll probably probably be able to watch the draw on the bus am I right? I don't know what the time is for the draw either way I'd say we would because we're going we're departing from the four Profs two o'clock if you want spots it's a banker holiday isn't it it's so a banker yeah could be so early, could be early in the struggling day, numbers wise I'll be honest might as well be honest I think everybody is the banker's killing it so if you want a spot on get in touch with us at East End Pod at Tess and East End on Instagram get in touch with us 25 quid a pop we're going to see the hoops in Sligo one of the better away trips so um, yeah Prof Hoop scene what have we got well I, I mentioned this last week didn't I I've written an article on our best winning streaks losing streaks unbeaten runs and worst winless runs against one club so you know me Gary. any excuse to mention the biscuit makers Jacobs so you got Jacobs, you got you got Galway in there. I mentioned that we had a horrific run against Derry once. We could never beat Sporting Fingal. Yet we never lost a match to Monaghan. So oh, I was Fingal. I was I was curious about all these little runs we had against clubs. Um there's also a letter from an English gentleman. And I won't I think maybe you can read it out next week because I want I want to encourage people to buy the programme. It is one of the best random letters, most wholesome letters, by a a curious fan. Like he's he just came over for the game. I can't remember what club he supports, 
he just said noticed there was a game coming on Friday. So he just said he'll go to that. And he, he sends in his whole report of the game and he was blown away by the whole experience. He's like he's just he's in the sixties, I think. And he just decided, oh, this is great. And he sent it in the letter and Robert says, I'm gonna print this, it's amazing. And it's brilliant. Excellent <laughs> so stuff. I think we should read it out next week. Brilliant stuff from the Gog um, and the Prof. But we're not done yet, there. We've got done. more. We've got more. We have Richard Brush. We're going to end the show with Richard Brush. So, we have Dickie Brush. So, we're joined now by Stiger Roberts goalkeeper, Richard Brush. He had two spells with Shamrock Rovers a number of years ago. So, welcome along to the podcast, Richie. Thanks for having me. Uh, just for recording here on Sunday afternoon, last night you guys did us a favour. You beat Terry 1-0. At the showgrounds, you had been on a run of three defeats. So, uh, what did you make of last night? <laughs> desperately needed, you know, not for yourselves, for us, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but no, desperately, we'd been on a, a pretty miserable run. Uh, three defeats, obviously, not acceptable, really, especially when, you know, we're looking at the performances we've put in over the last number of weeks. Probably just the last two weeks' performances were massively under par. So then, you know, you go into a game against Derry, who obviously top of the league and 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 flying at the minute. It was it was good, yeah, it was good, good morale booster. Uh, you know, good to get three points on the board. But again, it's 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 one game. The usual cliches. It's only one game, and we haven't put a back to back win together at the minute this season. So that's that's the test for us now. And he did it despite John Mahan's red card. Uh, both their clubs on the wrong end of some uh, shocking decisions this weekend. <laughs> I don't know if you watched the clips of our one, but uh, the Mahan one is a shocker as well, in fairness, especially when you watch Diallo only get a yellow for his leg breaker, basically. Can, can you believe that one? No, I mean, obviously, without trying to say too much, but saying everything at the same time, at the minute the refs are getting you know a bit of stick from all angles. It's not just... Uh, you know, from from us last week, uh, last night, and from yourselves Friday, it's been going on weeks now. So it's you know, it's it's a shame because you know we were in training this morning for a cool down and stuff, and despite the one 0 win and you know the the good vibes around the, the result at the minute, a lot of the talk is about the referee and even you know just general chit chat around you know local people that we're bumping into and stuff. So it, it's a shame, you know, but it, I think it's got to that sort of stage now where that is. You know, it, it's a massive talking point. We moan about refs, whether they're good or bad sometimes, and they get a bit of stick, whether they they don't deserve it. But I think at the minute, looking at sort of decisions, it, it's getting a bit justified. <laughs> and I'm putting that politely. I don't want to get you fined now, Richie, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> so, Max Mata is the league's top goal scorer with nine goals so far. Uh, you've... You would have been in training with a lot of good strikers over the years. Gary Twig, Danny North, Joe Gormley, Cliff Neville. Uh, how good is this fella, do you reckon? He's very good. I mean, looking back on last season, obviously we had Aidan Keener who was, who was rattling the goals and, you know, his Aidan's uh, work rate as well was, was second to none. And I think it goes to show with the last two weeks where we've missed Max, you know, the performances, okay, weren't great from anybody stepping up or everybody around the pitch. But the big focal point, unfortunately, was we, we were missing Max. You know, he comes in last night and he, he becomes a target man. He runs in behind. He's a threat holding up. He's a, he's a beast of a lad, you know, and, and he's, he's, a, he's an outlet for us. So, uh, you know, you compare him to, to, to them boys who were natural goal scorers, you know, hold up play maybe wasn't their game uh, when you, you go through him. But, man, they could bang goals in. And at the minute, Max is doing both. 
you know. So it's still early days for him as a, as a recognised number nine for us. We're still only not even halfway through a season. And like he says, he's, he's top scorer and he's, he's banged the goals in, so he's only going to get better, hopefully. Yeah, you haven't featured yourself this season, Richie. Uh, last year, you were competing with Ed McGinty and you got uh, eight outings, two of them against ourselves, actually, in Colbert uh, and Sligo, May and Tala. Uh, just, I just checked the Tala one there. That was the one where Graham Burke came on and got a hat-trick. Uh, he was one of four halftime substitutes by Bradzer. Uh, Liam Buckley was a Sligo manager. How do you even respond to four halftime substitutions? This is the thing, you know, you, you talk about levels at clubs and it's something that, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say Sligo Rovers are still aspiring to, is, is to be, you know, along the Shamrock Rovers and at the minute the Derry. And you look even last night, the substitutions that, you know, Derry are making and they're bringing on patching and, and, and players of a calibre that, you know, are starters in, in probably most teams in, in the country and they're coming on a stub to freshen things up and that, and that's no disrespect to the players we've got or, you know, the 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 depth that we have because we have depth but when you look at players like that who have been in the league so long and top players in the league for the last five or six years you know it's 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 madness yeah it's madness and like you say going back to the, to the game in, in Tala you know you bring in four subs on and you come on and one of the subs comes on and bangs in a hat-trick within the space of 10-15 of minutes you know it, it, that's the difference sometimes that can be the difference uh so for clubs like ourselves, and I say clubs like ourselves, it sounds like I'm being derogatory and I'm, obviously I'm really not because the affiliation I've got with the club and it's my hometown club now. But we're you know, we looking to aspire to, to those sort of levels and those sort of quality players that yourselves and the Derry can and bring on, you know, bring off the bench to try and make a difference. Yeah. Uh, like you say, you're, you've an affinity with Stigo now. This is your fourth spell. Uh, your first was back in 2006. You're living there a long time. Even when you played for us, you made the commute to Dublin and back. So you must really like the place. Uh, yeah, I do. Obviously, it's settled home now. I married a Sligo girl and I've, I've got a daughter now who's, you know, 14 years old. And, and this is home. You know, <laughs> I've been here for, I think it's going on 15, 16 years. And this has been, you know, this has been the base. Like you says, I was I was commuting most of the time with yourselves and obviously Cliftonville when it went part-time and Van Lamar and the Harps. This is this has been home. This is this has been the base. So it's not a bad little place to live. And you know, it's a, a big change from from the Birmingham that I grew up in. So you signed four times, so you'd be the man to ask, is it is it written in the Sligo players' contracts that as soon as you sign, you get media training and you have to start calling those shams immediately? <laughs> It's been for me. It was always Shams and Sligo. I've never had a Rovers affiliation, uh, so it, you know. Again, it's not derogatory, and it's not on getting a one-up. It's always been Sligo and Shams. There's never been. I've never sort of referred to anybody as Rovers. So uh, there's no, there's no little dig or anything meant there. <laughs> All right, let that one go. So uh, you started <laughs> off three years at Coventry City. Uh, this was under Peter Reid. Uh, Stephen Rice was there the year before you, actually, so there was a couple of Irishmen there. Um, of the last year, obviously, it was a nightmare with your your wrist uh, injury, but how do you look back in Coventry? Uh, loved it, loved it. You, you mentioned Stephen Rice. I was there with him. I was there with Rory Higgins. Rory Higgins was in the, the same age group as well, and there was, a, there was a few. There was a big, in my sort of, the view setup. there was a big contingent of Irish lads, and a few of them have raised the league. Stephen Creagley was there. Connor Kenner was there. There's a, there's a few names. Roy O'Donovan was there. You know that was they were all my age group, uh, and it was great. We lived in the the digs were on site on the training ground as well, so you you lived and breathed it. 
and uh, we they'd just come out of the Premiership and sort of still trying to you know to 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 climb back up. Uh, but it was brilliant for three or four years. I was there from the age of thirteen, and then when I left school, I went there full time straight away, and I loved every minute of it. And like he says, I, w- I was made second choice then under Peter Reid, and I think it was about. A week into pre-season, I broke my wrist and I was done for, I think it was 12, 14 months on and off with two operations. And that sort of, Peter Reid got sacked and uh, Mickey Adams come in. I was an injured player and as soon as I got back fit, played a couple of resi games and I was out the door. So it was it was an unfortunate way to go, but that's, that's football and it's happened to hmm. any other player and, and, and not just myself. But it was great times. It really was. You know, you were sort of living the dream as a, a full-time professional. We were living in and... It was it was brilliant, yeah. Really, really good times for it, yeah. Really good times. You did have a little stint with Shrewsbury Town as well, where you served as backup to a young Joe Hart. So, could you see then where he, where he was going in the game? Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, I don't know what age he was then. I was almost twenty, twenty-one. He's a couple of years younger than me, but he was. He was just even as a young lad, the character that he had, and his his whole presence. He was. A, he was a big lad. He's a big lad. Uh, but for his age and his the presence he had and everything, and the, the, he was he was you could tell he was a different level. He was a, he, he really was a different level, and you know obviously myself growing up and aspiring to be where he was, and you'd come across a lot of goalkeepers and play against a lot of goalkeepers, you know throughout the years, and I, I'm not too sure whether one name sticks out of goalkeepers that I played against in the academy setups. And then going there and being number two to him, and it was like, well, this is the difference. This is this is the level. Yeah, this is the this is the Premiership level. Yeah, yeah. You're from Birmingham, in case our listeners haven't worked it out from the accent. But uh, <laughs> when you first joined Sligo, Birmingham to Sligo, was that a bit of a culture shock? I remember flying into Knock Airport from Birmingham Airport from Birmingham International, and I remember flying into Knock Airport, and it was literally it was a port cabin. It was madness. This is 15, 16 years ago, and now. Going there now, it's still not the biggest airport, but it, it, it has some remnants of looking like an airport now and there's the, there's lounges and departure <laughs> lounges. But I remember flying in and being like, oh my God, I've never heard of Sligo or, or anything like that. So it was a, a massive culture shock, but I settled in fairly quickly and uh, and sort of got to the, the pace of life and I love it. Yeah, that was kind of the start of, well, maybe kind of 2009 onwards, the start of Sligo's golden period. Uh, where Paul Cook was was building the team that eventually won the league in 2012. Um, but is there a, a little regret for you as well because you missed three cup finals with, with the wrist problems? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, looking back, and at the time, you know, being injured was being injured, and, and it, you know, it obviously I, I knew I was missing out on cup finals. But when you look back to think that you missed out on three major cup finals, it's like, wow. But then the flip side of it was that being injured and coming back from injury, I had the chance then to come to yourselves and be part of the 2011 team and, and you know, be part of that as well. So, you know, I can't be too doom and gloom and being, oh, I missed this because that opportunity then led to to other things and, and, and mm. you know, they were, they were massive games and massive times for the club and myself, yeah. Yeah, you're you're on the bench for the Sligo's FAI Cup win in 2010 over us at uh, Lansdowne Road. This is when Kieran Kelly made the four penalty saves, albeit there were four awful penalties. But uh, <laughs> what do you remember from that one? Uh, not a whole lot, really. I mean, I was literally on the verge of 
being fit, I was trying to push into to, you know to try and play, but I was I was nowhere near, and and everybody knew that, and you know Cookie knew that as well, and going into the game, it was just that you know it was the first game at uh, the Aviva, and it was sort of you know awe inspiring that this is now this is where the cup finals were being held because the year before uh, I'd missed out on obviously the, the one in Tala and everything about that cup final. You know, I was sitting in the stand and it was. I've never known weather like it. It was horrendous. So then to get to bounce into the next year and to do it again and to be in a completely different arena, it was it was huge. Yeah, it was huge. And the penalties were a blur. And like he says, they weren't the greatest of penalties, but that's not taking anything away. The, you know, keeper has to save them at the end of the day. And, you know, it, it's a feat in itself to, to, you know, to save the four penalties. But looking back on it, the, the game was a blur and the penalties were a blur. And probably the couple of days after were a blur, but it was, you know, it, it was good times again. Yeah, good times, like he says. Cookie was building sort of a, a bit of a bit of a run to for, for cup finals and, and and big games. Yeah, like you say, the Tata had the cup final in 2009. Real Madrid came in the summer of 2009, but the first ever game, Shamrock was against Tiger Rovers, another feather in your cap. You actually <laughs> played in that one. I don't think I've ever interviewed someone on the opposing side. I've interviewed maybe seven or eight of the guys who played for us. But yeah. What, yeah. Give us the opposition uh, account. Uh, it, was it 2-1 in the end? It's such a long time ago. and 2-1, Gavin Pearce with there. a consolation goal, yeah. That was right, yeah. Yeah, I remember Twiggy's finished. He hooked it over the, the top, yeah. And again, you're talking about standards in leagues and stuff and, and stadiums and, and games to play in. You know, what a game to play in. You know, it... it I won't go as far as I an honour to be in the first game in Teller, but it was, you know, it, it was it was a big deal for us as well. We had a few lads, a few younger lads playing and stuff, and you know, we we came to spoil the party. Unfortunately, we didn't, and uh, you know, that, that goes by the by. But again, another big game for me personally to be involved in in these sort of stuff. And you look where the stadium's gone, you know, from then to now, and you know, the, the stuff that you know, Shamrock Rovers are building. It, it, it's you know, it's an eye opener for all clubs. For all clubs, you know, that's the standard and, and, and that's the level that clubs need to be inspiring to. And hopefully now with, you know, Sligo with the, the stadium plans and the bit of momentum we got kind of built up during the, the European run last year, you know, hopefully that can be build up, built on and we can start catching up. So your first battle with us, uh, you, you joined midway through the 2011 season. I've seen you describe it as Michael O'Neill uh, gives you a lifeline. Is that how you would call it? Absolutely. Uh, obviously, you know, living in Sligo, uh, I just had my daughter uh, kind of knocking around, just started sort of doing a bit of coaching and stuff. But in regards to joining clubs and that, there, there was nothing. There was nothing. I'd spoke with Sligo and they'd had uh, Brendan Clark was in and Kieran Kelly was in. So they, they had their quota of goalies and it was, I was trying to get back fit, basically. That was it, trying to get back fit for my own sake and had I any clubs, any other clubs spoke to anybody else? There was nothing. So it was a lifeline. I think maybe if I hadn't have joined uh, yourselves at that time, I don't know if there would have been another club or the, there would have been any more interest anywhere. And that's, that's another season gone by. And you've forgotten. You know, Sligo had got some good goalies. Obviously, yourselves would have brought somebody else in if it wasn't interested in me. And logistically... There's no real clubs that are, are we dealing There was harps and stuff, but would I have gone up there at the time and stuff? Probably not. I'd have probably just faded away and, you know, got on with living a life, a, a normal life. Mm. So it was for me a lifeline. And to be, I remember 
years gone by and years before you'd see certain keepers in the league get moves to, to big clubs and you'd be looking and going like they hadn't been playing and maybe they'd go in a second choice and stuff and I always used to think these kids that you know getting these moves to massive clubs and they'd be involved they might not be playing but they'd be involved in cup finals and I remember just thinking when I, I got that call and then uh, and then I signed up. I remember thinking, I'm now one of those goalies who's just done nothing for six months. <laughs> and then I've got a phone call and I've joined a, a club that are, you know, still playing in in Europe and battling at the top end of the league. So I'd become one of the goalkeepers that somebody must have been thinking, how's he got that move? He hasn't played for six months and he's injured and now he's signed for... So it was kind of a, a bit of a giggle at the time. And, you know, again, the way things panned out with the, the the European run, and then eventually going on to win the league as well, it was you know it was huge. It was a lifeline in terms of a, a football sense and getting back involved in football, but also just a, an experience that not a lot of people in this league will you know have the opportunity and to, to be involved in. You initially thought the car was a wind up, didn't you? By, by Absolutely, Michael. yeah. I remember I was walking around the stadium we were living at the time with a pram with my, my little girl and just, you know, taking the baby for a walk. And it was a phone call. And I remember being on buses before and lads getting wound up phone calls and stuff. And, you know, I, I thought, oh, yeah, definitely one of these. Definitely one of these. Yeah. So this was after Adam Annas had left for St. Johnson. Uh, you didn't actually debut until September, but you travelled to Copenhagen and Belgrade. Uh, Ryan Thompson played both of those ties. Do you remember within the camp, was there a belief that we could go and beat Partizan? I don't remember overly so being one, you know. Uh, I remember all the, the preparation and stuff was great and the information that we were getting, which, you know, wasn't sort of the in thing at the time where you were getting, you know, information on players and teams and that, but obviously playing such a big team. I don't really remember being an overly massive belief. I could be I could be miles off here, but I don't remember going into the game, preparing for the game, going, lads, you know, we've got a chance here. We've got a chance, but obviously as the game went on, it became more apparent. So, and, you know, I remember Ryan pulling off a save to the left. He was completely horizontal for the save. Outrageous save. Outrageous save. And, you know, it's sort of forgotten with the fact that Sully smashes a, you know, a 30-yard volley in and, you know, Stevie O'Donnell manages to keep his goal and, and score a penalty. So, preparation leading up to the game. Was there much belief or talk about sort of beating them? From my memory, none whatsoever, really. It was just go out and play. Yeah, that was an unbelievable save by Thompson. Probably probably the best I've seen since I'm following Rovers. Um, his kicking was obviously a rather suspect. Was one, I think there was one beforehand where he went down after a kick and he went down and uh, the gaffer was like, you better get warm. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Praying that you get back up. <laughs> yeah. I remember his kicking was quite suspect at times and got us into trouble. But in terms of athleticism and reflexes, he was something else, as you've shown with that save. Yeah, yeah. He was an animal. I remember him in training and stuff. And some of the saves and the, the shapes he'd get into to make saves and stuff, he would just literally watch it like, this is incredible. Like, this, he's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. Uh, then you see the draw and Spurs come out of the hat. Um, Ryan plays the first game against Ruben Kazan actually saves a penalty but when did you find out you were going to play at Wyatt Lane? It was sort of when when we tra- sort of when we travelled really because Ryan obviously travelled over and we had Craig Holland as well who, who, who travelled with us and it was only really when we'd done the training in the stadium the, the day beforehand and Ryan didn't really take part and I thought well 
he's he's obviously not going to be playing. And that was sort of when it dawned on me that right, you, you're in now. You're in. You know, regardless of the game, you've got to play. <laughs> so that was it, and it was it was nice. It was nice. It was I was felt relatively relaxed considering the game that was coming up. I remember going for a swim the the, the morning of the game that in the in the hotel and sort of just peeling off to myself and trying to digest, you know. The, the magnitude of the game and, and 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 everything else, yeah. And again, regards to the game, bit of a blur. I've watched it back a, a fair few times. In fairness, uh, <laughs> it only when we changed our skybox only last year it got wiped, so I, I haven't got a, I haven't got it anymore. <laughs> oh Jesus, <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, and that's what. Yeah, but uh, unbelievable, unbelievable to go one nil up as well. Sort of probably the worst and the best thing that happened. You know, to say you went one nil up. But they sort of changed gears and then, similar to Burke coming on, they got three goals in quick succession and then took the foot off the gas again. <laughs> yeah, like you say, you've watched back the game. Uh, you make saves from the San- to Santos, the Fob, Pavlyuchenko, and uh, Reuser's goal. Uh, the Subsy silence down at your end, but the far end with ourselves, absolute pandemonium with 4,000 Roros fans. Uh, what a moment it was. Brilliant mayhem. And I remember obviously me being the opposite end. I remember it all unfolding. And I thought, I'm not going to celebrate too much here because I've got all these boys behind me who will give me some stick. And I was thinking, you know, this game could turn fairly quick. So if I'm going mad up this end, it, it can turn fairly quick. And unfortunately it did. You know, they, they sort of come back and got three goals in quick succession. But that moment of watching that goal go in and that net ball sort of thing and you'd seen your mind thinking, if we can just hold on and roll that block a bit more now, like we did first half, you never know. Unfortunately, the fairy tale wasn't sort of completed, but I, I, I don't know. Like for fans and for the players on the pitch and everything, I think you know we've done the club proud. We've done probably without trying to sound too over the top. We've maybe done the, the league proud and, and the country proud because we were going into that game as ranked underdogs and, and rightly so. Uh, but I think performance-wise and the way the game panned out, you know, it's something to be proud of. It really was something to be proud of. Yeah, we spoke earlier about how you were at Coventry and Stephen Rice was at Coventry as well. You had other players in the squad who would have been with English clubs like Billy Dennehy, I think, was at Sunderland, uh, Ronan Finn at Cambridge. So you had all these players who started out at in England, left and probably taught themselves, well... I won't get a chance now to ever play in the Premier League ground like that. And here he's all yeah. were having this uh, incredible experience. So that must have been special. It was. It really was. You know, like you said, it's lads that have come back from England and, you know, you'd be very lucky if you end up going back over. And especially at that level of, of elite football, playing in stadiums like that and in, and in competitions like that. So it was, it was huge. It was huge. You know, again, you sort of try and treat it as another game and stuff. And it only really hit me when we, we lined up. Uh, in the tunnel beforehand and like you know always physical condition ourselves and, and you know lads around the league especially more so now great physical condition and, and look after themselves but you're looking across and you've got the song and that and he's like he's just they're, they're like it, it's mind-blowing you know you look at these boys on telly and okay they look like athletes but it's only when you're standing shoulder to shoulder and you're like oh my god these boys are massive <laughs> I believe uh, your favourite photo is of you with uh, Carlo Cudicini, you with your Puma Kings. You mean Puma Kings? Puma yeah. King, I think that I'd say the last person at White Hart Lane was probably Gary Mabbott that ever wore Puma Kings, and I'd say I <laughs> followed him on this <laughs> 20 years later. 
<laughs> yeah, I did get right. a bit of stick for the Puma Kings. I can't believe it. I can't believe I got a bit of stick. People will look at that photo and go, you've got Puma Kings on. You know, well, thanks. That's the main thing you're taking out from the picture. <laughs> I was talking to uh, Craig Sivers recently and I mentioned that you were coming on. So he says, ask him this. Does he still use KY Jetty to shine his Puma Kings? <laughs> I've moved on now. I've moved on. They don't go on Puma Kings anymore. <laughs> and you got Carlos jersey as a memento from that one? I did. Yeah, I did. And it's the only shirt, I think, from memory that I've ever swapped. It's, I don't know if it's well doc- documented. Or not. I'm not really a massive football fan. I'm not really, a you know, I've gone through my career of sort of playing and, and really enjoying it. Like I've said before, I'm not downplaying the career I've had or or up playing it but I wouldn't be a massive football fan love playing it love playing outside of football with mementos of playing and, and watching games and stuff it's not really for me <laughs> and one thing I loved was I think you'll appreciate this you, you with your kind of self-deprecating humour but the press after the game at Whitehart Lane so Michael Neal's doing the press conference and the English media ask him, what about your goalkeeper? Do you think you'll be able to hold on to him? Do you remember that? <laughs> no? No, absolutely not. God, they obviously don't follow Irish football, do they? <laughs> I just thought it was amazing, yeah, and I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh... <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Brilliant. No, I don't remember that. I can't believe that was yeah. a question. He obviously didn't answer it. <laughs> I don't know what his answer was. Well, there, it'll probably bounce back to Sligo in six months, so probably not. <laughs> that's that's the humor I was talking about there. Uh, you traveled to Greece and Russia as well. Uh, you, you're on the bench for those, but what were those experiences like? Uh, the, the, the Greek game, the atmosphere, more blue, similar to the uh, the partisan game. Uh, never, never been anywhere near an atmosphere like it. It was just for. I won't even say for 90 minutes, I'd say from half an hour before the game, doing the warm-up, half-time, doing the bits at half-time. The stadium was just rocking for the whole time, for the whole, like, mind-blowing. The the Russian one was obviously a bit different. The, the crowd wasn't as full, but just the surroundings of, you know, being over there and it, obviously it was, you know, sort of the idealistic Russian weather that you picture of the snow around it and stuff like that. It's just experiences, you know, outside of the football part of thing, just being in countries and, and places that just, you know, you, you wouldn't normally get to and, and things like that. It was just, it, it was literally like a little fairy tale. You know, you're travelling every every two weeks or you're playing in a huge game, you know, and then still trying to maintain the, the, the league run as well. You know, it was for... Again, not downplaying anything for not not the standard, but for the, the levels that were in the league at the time, like twelve years ago, to, to be able to to maintain the level of going, travelling, playing against these elite teams and then still being able to to do it in the league. I think it was sort of overlooked a, li- a little bit. Now I know clubs are doing it now. Almost every year you've done Dorks done it and that, but I think, you know, the the, the other side of football, the the you know scientific side of football, it's more, it's obviously a lot more in, in tune with footballers today than it would have been even 10, 12 years ago. So you're, you're one of three signings kind of mid season 2011. There was uh, Rohan Rickus, Jim Patterson, and yourself. So uh, two Englishmen and a Scotsman brought in on uh, three the three transfers. Almost a punchline with a tag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that. 
but you all paid your parts. Uh, you all brought something to the squad, which was maybe a bit light for a European group stage. So it was kind of it was shrewd business by Michael there. It was, in fairness, and you know, I've, I've never count myself even the years at, at Sligo as a massive part of any run they've been on. You know, I've always been in and out of teams and stuff. I've never been like you know a, a solid part of you know a, a cup winning team or a cup run or you know I've never been you know that one goalie that's played, played, played. So I'd never, I'd never look back on being you know, oh, you know, but as you said, we did. We I'd like to think that we did play our part. You know. Uh, Jim come in was fairly solid and it was him and Ender in and out of team and Rowan brought a bit of flair and you know a bit of probably a, a bit of interest and media interest with being sort of a marquee signing you know so the two boys definitely did play the part for me I played in a couple of games and done okay uh, so I'd say you know we, you know probably three three heads that you know weren't massive massive parts but were needed I'd, 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 I'd like to think yeah, Ricketts goal against Derry was a famous one, the lob, uh, which will go down as an assist by yourself, Richie. I, 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 was, I, I didn't want to mention it, but, you know, massive, massive hand in winning the league because I was second. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be known too well for me kicking either, so I'm just happy it crossed the halfway line when I seen it bounce, bro. <laughs> what was your view of that goal like, actually? Because it, it was really good, really good timing by, by Ricketts to actually... Time that and love the keeper and love the keeper. And I remember, I remember it being slow motion at the time. I remember it just looping forever, yeah, forever. And then you know, obviously managed to keep a rare clean sheet for ourselves. And then you know, sort of that was it was a massive game. And again, at the time, we didn't really get caught up in you know massive games and and stuff. But looking back, you know, it was Derry and you know ourselves at the time a head to head and you know going at it. So it was a Huge win, a huge win. Obviously, looking back now, it's a, a simple thing to say, but you know, at the time, it doesn't really kick in. And then the following week was UCD, uh, the title winning night. It was uh, postponed by one night because of uh, flooding in Dublin. But uh, you played in this one. What do you remember from the build up? And obviously, Dean Kelly's dramatic late winner. <laughs> again, what a way to sort of win a league and that. And uh, again, build up wise, not huge. You know, with all due respect, you, you, especially at the time you're looking at going at UCD and, and, and winning anyway, and that's not me being a knob like that's sort of the mentality you have when you're looking to win leagues. You know, you need to go to UCD and win. So, again, done all that sort of homework that would have been done at the time and and ways to to beat them and, and, and threats that we can have. Uh, you know, so the game was probably a lot tighter than we expected and a lot of people would have expected. But that's the excitement, doesn't it? I suppose, and everyone loves the last minute winning to clinch a league title. Yeah, you joined the mayhem for Kerry. I, I cramped up on uh, the way back as well. That's what I do remember. I cramped up on the way back, and then I come for a cross <laughs> in the last minute, and I remember half spilling it and thinking, "Oh my god!" And I managed to clutch it. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably hear parrots in their mouths as, oh, as you again adds to the excitement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like you said, you you sprinted from your goal over to the far corner to join the celebrations. Fireworks going off, pitch invasion. Is that what football is all about? That's what it's about, isn't it? That's a, that's exactly what it's about. And you know, that's that's. And I've never, I've never got it from a supporter's point of view because I don't support a team and I don't get caught up in that euphoria of you know supporting a team. Obviously, being part of a team and, and winning things, the euphoria is there but it still has to be controlled because you've got to get back onto the pitch and still do the job after. 
So it's sort of a different euphoria. But that, you know, when you're seeing fans run on pitches and, and, and the way it happens, you know, you do get caught up in it. And obviously at that time, you know, I obviously got caught up in it because I completely lost my mind and went sprinting over. And as I said, cramped up on the way back and thought, oh my God, please just see it out for the last few minutes without cramping up again. <laughs> and what was the celebrations like with the lads after? I always shot home. The, the changing room great. Brilliant. So I remember I was doing a, a goalkeeping coach in school and I had, had a, a lesson on the day after. So unfortunately for me, I just had to shoot home. But I, I do remember driving home and being stopped in uh, with a checkpoint in Carrick on Shannon <laughs> and uh, getting stopped and pulled over. And uh, where have you just been? And I remember me asking, I've just been winning the league. And I remember the, the, the guard at the time just looking at me as if to say, like, can I swear on this? Because he must have thought you... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I remember the look he shot me and he's like, okay, you know, where have you come from or where have you been? I just went, I've just come from winning the league. And the, the look at you, he went, carry on. And then I drove home like, but I remember just saying, I may never be able to use that line again. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you can't use it there, man, can you? Um, <laughs> but the, the season wasn't over yet. Uh, the Europa League group stage still had to be finished off. And, uh, I think most people are aware of this by now, Richie. You are the answer to a pub quiz question. The first <laughs> goalkeeper to concede a goal to Harry Kane. Harry Kane, yeah. Don't remember a thing about it, really. I remember that. I remember the. I remember the build-up to the game being big and sort of family and friends and asking for tickets and it kind of ended without trying to sound awful. It was a bit of a damp squib, was it? You know, the sort of Redknapp brought over was it fourteen players. He had three on the bench and stuff and. There was obviously things with whether, you know, Michael was going to stay on. And then for me, it was, I'm out of contract, have I got a club? And, you know, it was sort of as much as it should have been an, an amazing offence. And I'm sure it was for some people. And, you know, Tottenham coming in the Europa League group stage, coming to play at your, at your stadium without me trying to sound too, you know, depressing. It sort of didn't live up to what it should have been, maybe. Uh, a lot of players were in question. Myself was in question. I didn't know where I was going or, or where I was going to be. And, you know, it sort of fizzled out into the, the sort of 4-0 non-event. Can I say that? I've said it. But it, it just mm. sort of was, you know. And then, obviously, years later, <clears throat> you get questioned that Harry Kane scored. And for me, it was sort of like, again, and it's no disrespect, and I've, I've said it before, you know, I didn't know who Harry Kane was. And obviously, I know who he is now. But up until the sort of milestone come for him, I didn't recall really that he'd scored his first goal or anything like that. And that's not me being blasé or sort of being, you know, a bit arrogant. It's just football's not my thing and I don't follow records or, or players. Yeah, it was cool when Harry was was interviewed and he was asked who he first scored against. He remembered that it was Shamrock Garbers, all right? Um, but like you say, it was, it was a bit of a dead rubber. Um were you not too surprised that Michael Neal left then and did such a brilliant job with Northern Ireland? Not, no, not really. I mean, if it had stayed, it'd have been brilliant. But you know, obviously, with what he'd done for the for the year, you know, prior and, and the year prior to that, I think it was only you know, it was in the cards that he was going to move on to to something. And again, not sounding derogatory, bigger and better. You know, you know, he'd done so well with 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 ourselves and and with the team before that it was a matter of time before he moved on. And obviously, he's done what he's done. Uh, I remember the the rumor mill in those days. Uh, back then, I think this was before t- Twitter and all. Well, it was just a bit after Twitter, but probably be on the internet forums back then. And 
Shamrock Rumours, they were called. I remember somebody throwing up a link to uh, one of the papers and it said that, uh, this is the start of 2012, so Richie Brush is quitting football to become an undertaker. That's right, yeah, that was a big one, Yeah, I, 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 I sort of toyed with it. I met with, uh, I, again, the whole contract thing of being in a contract and out of contracts and, 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 and stuff, it was starting to get a little bit tiresome and, you know, I was thinking, I, I need to start looking at getting a job or, you know, what do I want to do? And I'd met with David McGowan, uh, a funeral director down at Northwest, right? And I'd, you know, I'd sat down and spoke to him about, you know, the pathway to getting involved in sort of in, in, in the embalming side of things and stuff. And I'd, it, it come to a point where the only thing that sort of put me off was that he said and his, his colleague said that it's sort of very still a, a, an in-family thing. I might be wrong. It was still very a sort of in-family thing, and it's hard to sort of get in because of the the family side of things. It's all family-owned, and to try and get into into like a funeral home or something, they still sort of keep it in-house. So that sort of kind of put me off. I didn't want to go from you know one sort of football thing where it's a nightmare to try and keeping you know keep it in employment to then you know do all the training for the environment and stuff. And, and becoming part of that and then still not being able to get a job because you're not in the family or whatever it was. So that sort of that sort of blew that one out of the water then and it was sort of back to football and a few years later sort of decided what I wanted to do then. So it's sort of, sort of a bit of truth in it. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit it's a, it's a truth, but it was just a slight flirting with the idea of, of going into that business, yeah. It just added to your co-stars at the time because we just we had this English <laughs> keeper who loves heavy metal and he's going to become an undertaker. It was just you just you just sound like a mad character to us at the time. <laughs> this is it. Never mind, you know. And, and that's what I would say when people ask you about your career and that. It's sort of like, oh, it's great. And the dressing room is a good lad. And this and I was thinking, I have played like two hundred two hundred and fifty games. You know, is there anything you want to say about any games played? <laughs> yeah. But I'll take it. I'll take being not a bad lad around the dressing room. I'll, I'll take that. That's all right with me. <laughs> uh, you returned to us under Trevor Crowley. Uh, you were competing with Baz Murphy in 2013. Uh, you played a little under half the league games uh, that season. We won three cup competitions, but ultimately finished fifth in the league, missed out in Europe. So what did you think went wrong in that season in terms of the league? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I don't know because the quality and the, the standard of players we had at the time again you know unbelievable when you look back at the players we had uh, Trevor's first job obviously uh, as, a, as a, a first team manager uh, and sort of him juggling I won't say egos but a lot, a lot of talent a lot of talent you know and, and trying to keep everyone happy or unhappy and stuff you know maybe that was it and like he says, you know, we won the, the sort of three cups. You know, got the semi-final, which is still one of my biggest disappointments of playing in the game. Is just not turning up for that final as, as a unit, like as a unit. Uh, still look back on that game. I don't really look back on games a whole lot, especially ones that you, you don't do great. But that was massive. That was a massive opportunity for us, and a massive, you know, especially for me, sort of going back home. And you know, being a big thing again, the sort of fairy tale thing, you go back and you, you know, win the win the semi final there. But to put a finger on sort of what let us down the league, I don't know. Obviously, inconsistency, and that's easy to say. You know, when you look at me and Barry both playing little under half, and Barry playing just over half again, 
through injuries and that, and not being able to, you know, staple down a solid, you know, goalkeeper, let alone a starting eleven. And again, Barry top goalie, and I think I, I did okay that year. Nothing, nothing major. You know, I think it was just sort sort of positions weren't sort of nailed down as much as they should have been for the quality that we had. You know, you're looking at the players like you know Mark Quigley and uh, Big Jamie Guinness and, and people like that, and you look at the midfielders we had and stuff, and it was a lot of chopping and changing for for certain you know for certain reasons. And I think that sort of killed us. And then maybe having too much quality and not settling on you know an eleven at a time might have disrupted it a little bit. Uh, there was a bit of trivia there on Twitter recently uh, asking people to name the 10 players in the Premier Division who are in their 30s. Uh, yourself, you're 38. Uh, it's certainly a young man's league nowadays, Richie, compared to when you came in uh, 2006. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And again, you look at the the things behind, behind you know, the actual match day 11 now of, you know, the, the sports science and the trackers and, and everything that's come into the game and stuff, you know, there's not a stone left unturned now. And that's come on mostly, correct me if I'm wrong, in the last five or six years, that's come on tenfold, which is only great. You know, so I think that sort of, I won't say weeded out the older players because of fitness-wise, because, you know, you look at our season, uh, Greg, this season has been absolutely immense. He's come out like, a, you know, a different man. He's, uh, he's, he's covering ground and stuff and the stats prove that sort of thing. But I think, you know, with sort of a few players that would have been, and it sounds awful, sort of hanging on, you know, the, the older players and still getting games and stuff, the way the game's gone now with the, the speed and, and, and going back to referees now, you look at teams now, the game's getting faster, lads are getting fitter, you know, it's proper, proper elite athletes playing in our league now. Is that catching a few refs out? I, I, I don't know. I could be miles off again. Is you know, not having the sort of full-time referees in it. Maybe that might be catching a few of them out and it's it's a lot quicker. Balls are moving quicker. Players are moving quicker and they're missing out on a few opportunities or a few decisions. So like that, as it's weeded out without sounding horrendous, a few of the older lads who've been able to play, you know, the younger, fitter lads now are, are, are thriving and the opportunities for them to go across the pond it, you know, we see a lot of boys moving across now because of what's happening, youth levels and, and bringing and bringing lads on. And just to touch on a few of the other clubs you played for, Cliftonville lured you out of retirement in 2018. They'd be a club who have a lot of links with Robbers in terms of the, the two sets of supporters. Uh, you won a County Antrim Shield with them. You helped Ollie Horgan's Harps avoid relegation in 2016 and you had a season with Ballin and Mallard as well. Any highlights from those three clubs? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Harps one, it was the first time me ste- in 2016, me stepping out of full-time football in regards to being involved. You know, obviously I'd had the, the six months after injury, but going to join a club that wasn't a full-time set-up, that was the first time and it was needed. I just, uh, I was doing uh, just the, the level five in healthcare support, again, sort of planning for, for jobs coming down the line uh, outside <laughs> of football. So it kind of coincided with that, which was great, taking a step back from football and sort of going back to like a, a sort of school environment or a learning environment for the first time in 20 years. So that coincided with that and it was brilliant. I really enjoyed that year. Really, really good year. Good group of lads at Harps, you know, sort of against the odds, sort of at the other end of the table, which was great. You know, you learn a lot about people and, and learn a lot about yourself when you're not going into games not expecting to win, but just as the underdog every week. And it was good. It was great. And then same again, moving on then to, to Ballard and Mallard. 
I had 18 months here, there, which I was, you know, very busy as a goalkeeper. Very busy. Unfortunately, we got relegated uh, in my last year there. Uh, but good, to, really, you know, as, as daft as it sounds, really good times. Just playing week in, week out there and then moving on to Cliftonville, which is a cracking club, uh, a really good club. Uh, and, and had sort of relative success there with getting into qualifying for a European, the, Euro, the European places and the County Antrim Field, which again was a mad cup final. We were 1-0 down with three minutes left, four minutes left, and we managed to, to, to win 2-1. And it was just, it was, it was, it was great. It was good times. Again, playing every week helps. Uh, enjoying it and, and and being able to just play football. It, you know, I, I do. I am a bit sort of condescending about my career and and not enjoying football as as you know as a fan or anything. But to have the opportunity to to play football from the age of sixteen, full time and part time, and just be around a footballing environment is is huge. It's huge, and I don't take that for granted at all. Looking back now and sort of coming to the the end, maybe the end couple of years of, of my playing career, it's, you know, it's lovely to look back on. It really is. Yeah, it was at Cliftonville where you suffered that stroke while driving in 2018. I think some of our listeners might be familiar with the story that you, you've told, but it obviously extremely scary moment for you. Yeah, again, huge, a huge part of life, not just obviously football, but it, it you know, obviously being involved in football all the time, something's going to come travelling to or travelling from football. So it was, you know, travelling from a game and I, I won't bore you with the details because, you know, the story's been told over and over again. But just, yeah, that the, the whole thing of, I always think back and not not want to believe in fate and all oh, this happens and, and whatever, but for us to be playing on a Monday because the game was on Sky Sports and again, it wasn't a massive a game. It was We were playing against Newry and again, no disrespect to Newry or Cliftonville, but it's not a Sky Sports game sort of thing. But for some reason, it was changed and it was played on a Monday night and I always think, well, I'd have been in bed at that time and if it happened to them, would I, you know, and it's just ifs, buts and maybes and it's, you know, probably a daft yeah. thing and I'm, I'm not usually like that. But yeah, a, a big part and a scary part, a really... Obviously, a massively scary part, but again, thankful to be able to just bounce back and sort of carry on playing football as well. Let alone, you know, being involved in football, but being able to, able to get to play. Yeah, nobody thinks that can happen to them at the age of thirty-four, but it did. It did to you. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, so sudden and fortunately for me, I was able to to do something about it at the time, and 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 the treatment and everything I had was was absolutely on the button. So you know. Thankful for that, and and like I said, it's great to be, you know, only to be alive without sort of sounding all, oh, but to be able to sort of get back into football fairly quick as well. Uh, who's the best manager you worked under, and uh, why is the answer Oli Horgan? <laughs> I think it's, it's you, you. I look at Oli, and you know, he got a bit of stick around the league, and people look at him, and, and he's just a mad-looking man, isn't he? And his demeanour and everything. But what a breath of a breath of fresh air! Like he's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Best manager. I'm going to say he's the best manager I've worked on. That absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But honestly, some of the things he does and travels, and the amount of time he spent on the road, and you know, he'd shoot off from games from here, with in the nicest possible way, a lunatic in the nicest possible sense of the word. <laughs> is he is he as doom as gloom to you guys as he is in the media when he's like given his status Absolutely. of where the club Absolutely. Is, is that's, half, that's half of the thing. Absolutely. I, I can't remember who it was, but I, I remember we, we we won a game which wouldn't have been very many that year again. 
that's not trying to sound too depressing. But I remember we winning and we come in after the game and the boys were like, oh, well dug out. And that. he's like, don't fool yourselves, lads. That's just one game we've won now. We've got so-and-so next week. I just walked out and that was it. Like, and the lads knew it. The lads knew he wasn't being, you know, nasty or wasn't trying to down. That was him. That was him. Yeah, you've won a game. Yeah, get on with it, lads. Well done. See you later. Yeah, we'll, we'll be here next week and prepare for the next one. And it was good. And it was half of the sort of, you know, half of the thing with him and the lads. Obviously, the lads who all joined up with Finn Harps had known him for a few years. And it sort of got used to him and that. And I just used to look at it brilliant. And there was a few things that you used to do and, you know, it's be all for messing about, you know, at, at the right times and stuff. And I remember driving around the bend some of the times. I think we'd stayed up in, in we'd either, we were either safe or I think it might have been yourselves playing Cork and you needed to beat Cork and we were safe. It was out of our hands sort of thing. So there was still a few games left, but if you beat Cork. And I remember we were sitting down for the... Uh, for the pre-match thing where he puts it up on the wall on his laptop and he has a thousand sheets of paper all over the wall. And he went out of the room and I remember having my big stupid long hair at the time. And uh, I'd got hold of his laptop and took a photo on his thingy of me putting some mad face with hair. And, and then the first thing he puts on the screen when uh, he's sitting down to this team meeting and there's my face being an idiot as usual on the finger. And I remember him just shaving his head and then I'd put as his screensaver, uh, Shamrock Rose Badge or something, whoever was playing the team that we needed to think in. It's just sort of like it shook him a little bit, but he took it in good nature. And I was a bit worried because, you know, Ollie's fairly all business, but it, it was good and, that you know, he, he took it well. And that, that was Ollie. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Looks like he could be back next year with uh, with Galway. But um, what about who would be the most lethal striker you ever faced in your long career? Oh, God. I think Gary Twig was always a nightmare. Always an opener. Yeah, he just he just always seemed to pop up. Yeah, he just seemed to pop up and be there. And he just finished like that. Like the finish we saying we we spoke about earlier with the the first game in Tala. Like hooked it over his head and I remember just standing watching it. Like and there's a photo I think of him hooking it. Like he was just lethal and then obviously getting, you know, the chance to train with him as well. Uh, you'd see, you'd just be, even in training, you'd play the small side of games and he'd just take up positions where he knew where the ball was coming and, he, you know, he wouldn't even think and it'd just bang into the corner and you'd just be standing there. And he did, he, he was a, a great lad as well. He was so dry, Twiggy was so dry and he'd just look at you and we'd say something smart and it just, nothing, not a lot rolls me up and not in a bad way, but you'd just be looking at him. There's nothing you can do. You just have to stand there and go, yeah, great finish. And what's your favourite save you ever made? Favourite save would have to be, and again, I'm going to sound really soft now, I played for Cliftonville. Uh, it was against Carrick and I had buried my nan, who I was very close to, in the morning. It was a rearranged game and it got rearranged for the day that uh, my nan was being buried in Birmingham. So I flew home the, the night before, buried on the morning and then flew in to play Carrick. I think it was a Tuesday night. And in fairness, it was a, it was a good save in itself. It was a, de- it was a, it was a decent save, but it was coming from, I'd, I'd literally buried my nan that's mor- uh, the morning and then flew in and played the game in the evening. It was just it sort of stuck in my head, sort of. It was a decent save in itself, but just the whole thing of the whole day. And I remember leaving the funeral sort of mid-afternoon and granddad turning around to me and going, oh, I'll do it for Junie, like, and it was, you know, it was lovely. It was a whole sort of, you know, and we'd, we had a man sent off in the first 15 minutes and I remember thinking, oh, God, I flew back for this and we're going to get pounded now or something. But I think we won in the end. I think we won 2-1 or 3-1. But just the whole building up to the save, it was more the memory of the, the build-up than the actual save. And I probably made better saves. But for me, it was a nice one yeah. to make. 
And just to finish up, you're obviously a fan of uh, music and film based on uh, uh, how you decide to name your daughter. But I mentioned earlier, you love heavy metal. So when you come to the games, you're always have the headphones on. Uh, what do you be listening to? It depends. It's always something super heavy anyway, just to sort of, you know, to get myself going. But I'm, I'm mad into sort of a lot of the sort of heavier stuff at the minute. There's a band called Thy Art Is Murder, an Australian band, and then a band called Lorna Shaw. If you put them into YouTube, there's mad vi- reaction videos of them because they're quite extreme. Uh, but I've, I've gone quite into like the really sort of, the really heavier stuff at the minute, re- like really fast and heavy and if anybody else listens to it, I can understand why they think it's just noise, and, and I sort of get that. But if you give it a listen, a proper listen, sometimes you might catch something. So they wouldn't play in the dressing room before games, anyway. Absolutely not. I remember putting a few times on just to warm people up, and it, it just doesn't go down well. So I've stopped doing that now. I keep trying. I keep mentioning things, and my wife keeps me in check and stuff. And there's things that happen. I'm like, oh, I wish I was on Twitter so I could put some snidey remark out. She's like, you're nearly forty now. Just let it go and just be normal. So I'm kind of getting reeled in now as the as the age comes up. Uh, how old is your daughter now? What what was the film that inspired her name? But Amelie, the it's a French film, Amelie. Uh, beautiful film, and obviously, yeah, having a daughter then and hoping that she grows up beautiful. Nah, just just the whole thing, yeah, it's an amazing film. If anybody's watched it, so she just got named directly after after the film, and she's 14 now, and she's turned into a beautiful woman, and she's just crying before our eyes, and like that, time just flies. Like you're saying, you know, going back to pushing around in a pram and getting a phone call off Michael O'Neill now to now looking at being, you know, turning into a woman. It's as well as sport and seasons and careers, just it, it flies in. Yeah, it flies in. Yeah, and I noticed that from an interview you did uh, about the film and you said that about the colours. You said the only thing that comes close is a TV series called Utopia, which Utopia. I absolutely loved as well. I was oh. blown away by... The colours in that TV show was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. And again, you know, you look back at TV shows that have gone by and, you know, without going too deep into, you know, TV and music and uh, and stuff and all that. And like you say, looking back and you think, oh, when's the next season coming on? And you forget that that was 10, 11, 12 years ago and it's obviously not going to happen <laughs> again. <laughs> just have to let things go. <laughs> Yeah, I never bought it with the remake. I don't think I would like it, so I'll just I'll stick no, with it. No, no, just leave it, yeah. Leave the memories. Leave the right <laughs> That's the Richie. You, you're one fellow I've always wanted to meet, actually, and uh, it was a thoroughly enjoyable hour or so. So uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for, thanks for thinking of me. You know, as I said, I don't really hold myself in a regard as a foothold in the history of, you know, Shamrock Rovers or Sligo Rovers or anything, but it's nice to, you know, revisit things and memories and, and, and people. So it's it's been great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for it. Thanks for getting in touch. Thanks a million, Richie. Brilliant. Top man. Took me about 10 minutes in to get his accent. Love a brummy accent. I think it's I think it's <laughs> it's very endearing. Like we well, had it here before with Sean Francis. And I had it I heard because there's a guy we worked with as well, a Villa fan. Uh Villa Alex. So I was thinking to myself, I know I know this. And just before he mentioned it, I got I twigged it, so I was delighted. <laughs> but brilliant, brilliant, uh brilliant interview, prof. What a fella. Yeah, because I was digging in for topics for stuff to talk about, and I just I found loads of stuff. Like he, he didn't play for us a whole amount, but he played in significant games. He played in Wyart Lane. He was the first to concede a goal to Harry Kane. Yeah, he played in the first game of Tada on the opposing side. He played in the UCD title-winning night, two thousand eleven. 
He assisted Rohan Ricketts' freak um, Jesus. lob against Derry. He's a bit of a cold figure. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah. There's no hatred towards Dickie Bush, really. Yeah. And you, you were you were drawn to this straight away that he doesn't like football. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe he just doesn't like football. I'm like, what? Like, what, what, You don't watch football? You don't have anything to do with it? Like, he, he just doesn't like it. Not into it. That's yeah. mental. That's mental. He actually, like... We we addressed the remember we thought he was going to become an undertaker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he actually works in social care. Like because at the time the aura around him was loves heavy metal and death metal and stuff like that, and works in an undertaker. So I was like, this fella's morbid. Yeah, now he actually works in social care and he looks after uh, elderly patients and patients with dementia, and Alzheimer's. Which I read an interview and I think it was in the Belfast Telegraph. It went into detail about it. So I didn't. I decided not to do it. But um, can you imagine that must be really draining on a person. But there I am talking to him for an hour and big happy heading him, smiling. He's the perfect man for it. Isn't he's he? loving the interview. Yeah. And he's just like you think he said it. Didn't he? Like thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. So I just I love his whole outlook on life. Uh, he seems like a really cool guy. And the stroke story. Yeah, you can read that online if you want. If you want to Google it. Pretty scary, like you have to you pull over in the middle of the road and he calls his manager and the manager thinks it's a wind up. Yeah. And then he's stranded. That's the thing about football dressing rooms. You gotta yeah. be very careful. And then he's calling uh the uh, an ambulance and they can't understand his accent and like he's he's stranded on the side of the road Jeez, and he's like it's terrifying. He was he's like, What if nobody comes for me? Yeah. He thought he was screwed. But I have one more thing to show you here before we go. Do you remember the story about uh, what he did to Oddie Horgan's laptop yeah so Oddie oh. Horgan was doing the the team talk before the game pictures on it against it? Finn Harps and then Brushy said he uploaded his stupid face onto the screen so I'm going to show Garrett what that face was now <laughs> <laughs> oh I wonder how Oddie Horgan took that actually <laughs> fuck's sake big Long haired, bushy beard, Richard Brush on the on the slides. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's it for this week, prof. Um we are looking forward to Friday, we're looking forward to Sligo. Get in touch if you want to get on the bus and we will see you in Block X, see it in the South Stand. Keep on hooping. See ya. Thank you.